0: The human adventure is just beginning. Star Trek: The Motion Picture, rated G. For you parents who don't speak Klingonese, he's saying, People of Earth, unite and bring your kids to McDonald's for a Star Trek meal. That's a regular hamburger, fries, soft drink, a McDonaldland cookie sampler, and a Star Trek prize.
1: Oh, he has five different boxes based on Star Trek, the motion picture, action scenes,
0: jokes, games. He says, take it from a father who knows. His kids
1: love them McDonald's Star Trek meal available for your kids now.
2: Wow, this is exciting. This is exciting. This I'm is actually, very exciting. I'm genuinely excited. So am I. That's why we got here so early. <laughs> we got here. Um, it's 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 the lights. It's still going down. The the, the sun, because we, we figured this might be a long one. This is really exciting. Been looking forward to this all week, and I've been a little nervous to be honest with you. It's a big topic. Yeah. Well, I, and I'm talking to a guy who's a big, big Trekkie. I mean, well, I,
0: well, not as much as I'm sure some of our other, some of our our listeners are, but. And I've never. Very fond of the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Specifically the original series and the movies.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't call myself a Trekkie, but I love Star Trek just as much. I grew up watching it. Uh, and uh, certainly grew up on the original movies. And yeah. then when Next Generation came out, I remember like the second episode, uh, my father was like, come on, we're going to watch this new Star Trek series. Like they got a robot and last week he, he threw a guy off a planet. <laughs> I was like, sure, dad. And I think the next one is like that. You remember that crazy one where it's like they get that virus and they all start having sex with each other? Like Data has sex with Tasha Yar, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. and then like Beverly Crusher has sex with maybe Picard, and then at the end of the episode, it's all very awkward. Mm-hmm. I think that might be like an early. So like, I caught that one. Was like, this is great, Dad. A mustacheless Riker, <laughs> <laughs> or a bearded beardless Riker. So like, I've always, you know. But certainly, I saw Star Trek four in the theater. Yeah. I think I saw this one in the theater. So it's like uh, I didn't see this one in the theater. I saw three, four, and five. Yeah.
0: And I may have seen two.
2: Wow. In the theater.
0: But I know I saw three. Um, I missed five. Down the shore
2: in Wildwood, New Jersey.
0: Three. So my mom took me to see three. And I was so little that I couldn't read the Klingon subtitles fast enough. Yeah. So my mom was like sitting there like whispering that, like reading them into, like whispering them into my ear. (laughs)
2: Little did you know she didn't need the the subtitle. She knew the (laughs) Klingon.
0: But yeah, we... I wouldn't go as far as to say that my mom was a Trekkie, but my mom was definitely fond of Star Trek. We had Star Trek shirts. Yeah. And they were all hand-me-down to me. Like, there was all stuff that she brought my brother, who was like five five years older than me. Um, We had, like, short-sleeve Star Trek shirts... Like thick yeah, material. And that, yeah, that you know, I would like just wear that. It's like a carpet. <laughs> and I would wear that shit out to like play. But it's like doesn't breathe. Doesn't like absorb anything <laughs> Yeah, it's
2: it's it's very fire uh, flammable. Yeah, it's, it's definitely you know. it's, pl- it's a p- synthetic plastic that's banned we now. Had,
0: we had the Mego figures, yeah, of course. Of course, I broke Spock's leg off because yeah. that was my thing as a kid. As I broke all my brother's toys. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we had the smaller figures, uh, what three and three quarter or whatever figures uh, from motion picture. Oh yeah, okay. Um, Where there was no articulation Other than like the shoulder and hip joints Yeah Uh, So Star Trek was always a big It was always there You know like I had the Kirk and Spock figures And and then of course it was always on in rerun When we were little One year for Halloween I went as Spock Probably Halloween of Let me see if I can figure this out Halloween of 88 maybe Okay I was Spock in the you I had were
2: Spock, it. and in '88, I was a gangster because I untouched. So my mom got me the a little Tommy gun, sprayed it black, and then I got an oatmeal, took the ends of an oatmeal <laughs> carton off, made a barrel, <laughs> a drum barrel, and that was my nice. Thompson. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I remember I had a teacher, Mrs. Miss Mcmasters.
2: Yeah, um, who was a
0: Trekkie, and she was very into the show Beauty and the Beast. The, the, the live action with Linda Ron Hamilton, Perlman and yeah yeah and Ron Perlman and what a my, combination that your and mom my, must have loved her and my mom was way we had Mrs McMac we had Mrs McMaster's over for
1: dinner one night <laughs> there you <go>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, I think she lent me the Spock shirt oh for Halloween for Halloween yeah it's a big because she had been no she was a small oh. woman uh, and I was a big kid so kind of evened out yeah. Man, I have to look. Maybe I have a picture of it
2: somewhere. You got the ears and on. It and we could post. It. <laughs> Dude, did you do anything with your eyebrows or <laughs> um, make it more pronounced?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't do anything where like I covered over, you know, and tried, to, and tried to really do it. Yeah. Cover it over with like a foundation or whatever, and then go go with the Spock like curve. But I did, you know, tried to do it. And then I remember my it was cold outside, and my mom didn't want me to go out. Without a coat on. And I was like, what
1: the fuck?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so she gave me this heart, like one of her coats that looked kind of futuristic. And she's like, they would wear stuff like this all the time on the show when they would go on the planets. And I was like, oh, okay. Cool. You know, that's yeah, fine. My mother's <laughs> lying. You <laughs> know, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then, of course, the movies were big. Uh, when my mom got remarried and we moved to Albany, she got a VCR from my aunt as a wedding present. And the first movie we watched on it we got from the local library and it was Star Trek 4. Um and that was the f- you, know, you saw it in the theater you said. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. remember seeing 4 in the theater and my dad took me to see 5. My dad was into Star always into Star Trek Two. Yeah. Uh, also. Um and then uh the funny thing was with this one you know I said last week I think we said that we had like a movie that people wouldn't expect us to do and then after we stopped recording I said to you know like every if even if we hinted that we were going to do this movie people would suspect expect that we would do too con yeah because that's like the big iconic one
2: and then people who don't know are like is that, is that the whale
1: one <laughs> <No>.
2: <laughs> <coughs> hey you know what uh, if you guys don't know welcome to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers uh, I'm Dion Baia and I'm Jay Blake and here we are again um, but you and I have always had a fondness for this one. I love this one. Um, ever since we, we met in
0: college, it was one of those. We put
2: our sores down and we grabbed each other's <laughs> forearms. One <and like>, of <laughs> <what are>
0: those. <laughs> we always t- We always <laughs> because you were the only other person I knew I ever met that li- like had a, an extreme fondness for six undiscovered country as much as I did.
2: Well, I didn't growing up. I don't think I had other friends who were trekkies. Yeah. So what what happened was, I mean, I didn't I didn't have other friends who were MacGyver fans. People watched it occasionally, or like Quantum Leap, people watched. But like the stuff I watched, it was kind of particular. Until you got into cartoons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then like the movies. You know, I'm I'm watching old movies. No one's watching that shit. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would be the kid that would show people stuff. I bring it over, like you know. So uh, I remember like us getting uh, us seeing four in the theater, and then like. Uh, what is that? Paramount came out with a uh, video box set, which was one through four, I think it was yeah. at the time, and the, the spines all combined to make it look like the Enterprise coming out of space dock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so that was sweet. You'd always have to have that in the right order, <laughs> you know, and the thing. And then when five came out, I I saw four in a the theater. Uh, Five I missed Because that was That summer of like Batman Indiana Jones And it came out I think between Indiana Jones and Batman Lethal Weapon 2 Honey I Shrunk the Kids That was a real crazy summer Yeah There's another one That I think that we Sometimes bring up That also came out That summer that's a big movie of ours. Um, For one crazy summer. Well, yeah, exactly. So I missed <laughs> five, and I'm a guy who you know I haven't seen five that often. But when I've seen five, I'm like, it's. I really, like yeah, five. It's good. I actually, you know, think it's kind of got the same idea as kind of one near the end. You well, know, there's a
0: couple of things.
2: Uh, I don't remember it too well, but I like the bookends too. And like we'll, the, the we'll sh- campfire, and we'll
0: swing back around to six. But <laughs> there's a couple of things that I think
2: We're getting <laughs> off the t- turns already. Getting off the interstate.
0: I think some people. I think people our age will remember, but I think some, even some of them, might not remember that how big four was.
2: Four was huge. Four was huge. Yeah,
0: and for people that don't know, four was the one with the whales.
2: <laughs> yeah, four was the one with the
0: whales. <laughs> you know, it was like, which one's the, is that the one with the whales? It's like that's like, the, that's, like <laughs> that's that's like the reference point to everybody for everybody about Star Trek. The four four was
1: huge. And I
2: think <laughs> we talked about on an earlier episode that the. Uh, the, the word on the street that I've heard, the urban legend is that it, it was kind of written with Mike uh, Eddie Murphy in mind, because he was a huge Trekkie for. But then at the last minute, somebody at, like Paramount was wait a minute, like on like the night before, you know, they're like, what happens if this movie bombs? Yeah. And Eddie Murphy has coming out like Golden Child and maybe the first Beverly Hills Cop or I don't know, maybe no, I guess Forty Dollars would have already come out by then. So they they took him out of it and then his part they turned it to a girl and that's the person they meet when they go back in time. Yeah. But yeah. it ended up being the success it was, and if you think about it, it, is It is an out-of-the-box kind of take on doing it. And I wonder, is it the first time you kind of get that humor? I mean, you know what I mean? You're starting to get like... It is.
0: Aside from the one-off. There's always been uh, lightness, uh, comic relief in the show. Yeah. Uh, The original series, the relationship between Spock and McCoy and Kirk, especially between... Arch and McCoy has always had a little bit of comic relief especially in some of the more serious episodes just to lighten the load a little bit but it's never been straight on comedy yeah. there's been funny stuff um but usually at the end of the episode just before the credits yeah, roll the, you yeah, know, like will slack the <laughs> girl's ass or something really funny <laughs> or there. McCoy will say something then and Spock will say like, something back and yeah. uh you know and then and then the movies one was completely serious. Motion the Star Trek the Motion Picture was yeah. completely serious. Seventy nine, right? Seventy nine, yeah. Yeah. Khan is pretty serious. Yeah. There might be a couple of light moments early on, but once it gets rolling that movie becomes pretty tough. Three, there's no room for comedy really. No,
2: it's that's kind of craziness. <laughs> <And>
0: it's <laughs> Search you know? for Spock is fucking batshit crazy. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd. And then uh Four was the first time yeah. where it really became comedic. Fish out of water, Rolls literally. over into five. Five is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a little bit of residue still It's six. It, it but four and five are very comedic. It's
2: weird because six turns. It's a different. They, like, almost turn the page, and it's a different kind of funny here where, the, you know, it's because it's om- not that it's their swan song, but they're they're you know now they're looking at their characters as older and like you know yeah. this is and they have that like you know that um it was a very good year kind of sinatra song kind of a way <laughs> of looking back <laughs> at things Yeah. you know but um i've never had a problem with six i've always loved six particularly maybe because of the age i saw it yeah uh, you know uh i love bad guys but will i before we, yeah
0: it's we'll hard to interrupt you but one thing i do want to say about five because five gets
2: shit on pretty well gets, gets shit on
1: yeah
2: and you know, and it's got some funny moments. I mean, and I remember, right, the... and,
0: and maybe rightfully so in a lot of circumstances. And when you put it in the grand scope of all six
2: movies, because one of their trailers was remember Scotty like I know where I'm walking. He turns around and knocks himself out on you know like that was that was that was funny. You know, yeah. I think a lot of
0: the humor in five actually works pretty well. But one thing I'll say about five is that five, for me anyway, is the is out of all the six movies with the original crew. Is the one that feels, uh, other than the comedy, feels most like the original show. Mm. Like the plot, this idea of going to a planet where there's this god, which is this, this big like beam of light, is very in uh, the vein of, the, the, vein yeah, of yeah. the original show. So I've always kind of liked Five for that. Is yeah. that it feels most like a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Um, six... Takes on a completely different thing, and yeah. So continue
2: because I am curious. Of like, why is six one of our favorites? I, I don't know because. Um when, it, when Six came out, I think I was the good right age to see it. I mean, we, I was, we, we were entering in, I think, to like a middle school maybe that yeah, time. it was 1991. So, you know, we're starting to learn about Shakespeare. We might have to be reading about, you know, Romeo and Juliet in school or something. So, like, that all hit a curve to me. I loved Plummer in it. I loved the whole idea of the, the story to me. You know, it's very much like... Art, people have cited it being like a POW escape movie, a courtroom drama, an espionage. It's got a little bit of everything. You know, yeah. I always looked at it as like a Tom Clancy, like um, almost like a. Uh, it's a murder mystery. Yeah, you know? it's a whodunit. It. Exactly. It had such great. Uh, different plots that, that you, or, or kind of templates you could put over it as well as I, I, I've always loved Kim the, control, I uh, <laughs> k- the, the Kim Cattrall I know the Kim Cattrall in it is so amazing not since um, <laughs> Mannequin have I liked the Cattrall as much uh, I love the nar- nautical and the maritime aspects of all these movies and I've always yeah. enjoyed for me uh, you know you see that in 2 and 3 when it gets very over dramatic with like you know the ship having to come around sure. and, well, and that like that was something that you know, I think
0: Nicholas Meyer who directed 2 yeah wrote 4 yeah I think and then came back and wrote and directed this
2: one
1: yeah he, 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 he was, he was very into that into yeah. that.
0: there's a little bit of that in the show there's a great episode of course I'm not as great with, the, with a lot of the episode titles but there's a great one where the guy that plays Spock's father yeah uh Mark Leonard Yeah It's the first time We see him But he's not Spock's father In the episode He's a Romulan It's mm. the first time We see the Romulans In the original show Yeah And it's like The first time That the majority Of the crew Has seen a Romulan And that's when It's revealed That Romulans Are a descendant Of the Vulcan They they have a Common ancestry Because they look Just like a Vulcan And it's Basically like A submarine movie
2: Yeah um, so th- there's been aspects that's, of. Th- th- that's what I love about it, is when it gets into, to me, and it, rewatching it now with you on six, it really hammers home more of the, not just nautical, like uh, Horatio Hornblower on sea kind of a thing. It more like a sub kind of, more sure. like a Hunt for Red October or like a, uh, I'm trying to think of like uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea almost, which is Irwin Allen. It's like that. Khan you know. is,
0: the Wrath of Khan is a lot like yeah. that too. That's very much they're floating in that. Towards the end They're floating in that Like gaseous anomaly oh, Yeah And it's <laughs> <and> all going <laughs> they can't down They not really yeah. see each other And uh, Certainly two And uh, First contact The next generation one Have a very Moby dick
2: Yeah Oh yeah Heavy Heavy You know References Yeah They uh, when they cited I think quite a bit too Because that's with uh Picard becomes like against the board, right? Yeah, yeah. And all that. And is that the first? Is is that the first contact? The opening where they're on, they start like they're on like holodeck on like a schooner. Yeah. And then what I th- think so. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it cuts dramatically to like Picard's like nephews died in a fire and he's crying hysterically. You're like, I what's
0: wrong? Picard? I think that's the first. Yeah, I think that's first contact. Right. But so like that has never been, uh, you know that's always been s- the, this nautical aspect and then even that their rankings oh, yeah, yeah—nautical yeah.
2: rankings too yeah because uh, it's different because I guess Gene Wat- Rottenberry had an idea and then there's this very huge controversy which you know I have really no opinion on because I'm not well versed in it but people I've heard the statement say that once we got to the next generation years the less input Gene Rottenberry had in the show the better the show was and then I think at some point he got Pushed out around like the third or fourth season. Yeah, people. Yeah, you know, he was like doing crazy shit, and they're like, and they're like, listen, let's give, let's give, uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Riker a beard. <laughs> let's push out, you let's know, get Robert. out of the onesies. Yeah, you know, and let's start doing some, but you know, and then. Uh, but so with him, he always had an idea of like, which I guess was hence when you get to this movie, the kind of conflict he butted heads with the the producers and the director here uh, because of his outlook of how the show the 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 template of the morality of the show versus what yeah. they wa- wanted to do. Well,
0: the idea of the... His idea for the original series... Well, one, is it was like wagon trail across the star. So it was, you know, it was Western... Obviously, like we said, there's definitely episodes in the original series that go with, like, this nautical theme. But he envisioned a future where things like money... Yeah. ...and racism didn't exist. And there. it was very profound and very progressive for the day. You know, we have a, in the late mid to late sixties, I think the show was the show on from 66 to 69. Yeah. We have a crew that's made up of, uh, a, a African American woman, uh, uh, and ama- maybe not even African American. maybe there's maybe in that future there's no America. Yeah, it's just world. Like there's, so, there's like a black woman. There's a, a, a Asian ma- guy, Asian of j- Japanese descent. We have and then co- starting with season two, we get Chekhov. So we have a, a Russian, uh, which is in the midst of the Cold War, a which hunky kind of like a
2: heartthrob <laughs> Russian, which
0: is you know the Cold War plays such a significant part of in this movie in terms of. Um, Metaphors and stuff. And so when we get around to 6, 6 is so much about bigotry Yeah. and uh, racism, for the lack of a better term, speciesism, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Roddenberry was... Uh, he was old. He didn't... He, he passed away before this movie was released, but he had read the original script and he hated it. Yeah. Because it did go against, for him, what he felt Star Trek was, which was like a world without this ugliness. So, and understandably so. I mean, I, I mean, I understand why he would be upset by that.
2: Yeah, I, in researching this, uh, it, I, it kind of occurred to me about all that. And I was yeah. like, you know, I, have, I do understand where he's coming from, where it is a significant change after 25 years, because this six was gonna coincide with the 25th anniversary of the show coming on air that, you know, uh, somewhat deviating, people would say slightly, but for Roddenberry, that's a huge freaking thing. Yeah. And and then it's also a debate if, like, a guy like Kirk, would he have that viewpoint that they embodied in the movie where, you know, Shatner didn't think he might to that extreme, uh, certainly Roddenberry didn't, you know, so... And then you have to go, then go back and look at the character and say, well, well, you know, he could have started out that way. We saw him in the series, an idealistic kind of a kid who was, you know, progressive and all that. But then hatred of war, he's losing his son, all sure. the, you know, freaking, what is that, 25 years of crazy sh- shit in space, you know, crazier than a Tiberian bat. You know, it's like <laughs> maybe he's going to be jaded yeah, a little yeah. bit and come, now, you know...
0: uh I'll say up front because we'll, pro- we'll definitely get to it at some point later in the conversation, but I read the novelization. Yes, you did. To Six yeah. in preparation for this. And I have to say, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. As much as I love Six, liked it better than I liked the movie. The novelization. Yeah, because uh, we can get more into it, but it addresses a lot of this stuff. Because you have the internal monologues of the characters. When, spot, when Kirk says like Well let them die Yeah You can have A moment of reflection A minute later Being like His shock of him saying that Yeah You know And him regretting saying that Throughout the entire book
2: Which is what he wanted to Kirk Shatner the actor Kind of to, wanted to do but he, scene.
0: But it just doesn't Work dramatically And, and honestly Like I don't think it it never bothered me. I mean, of course, I saw it first as a kid yeah. and probably wouldn't have even thought of it. But even as an adult and watching it now, I never—I think the benefit of Star Trek and the benefit of Star Trek s- Six being like the sixth and last one, of, is that we're so invested in these characters— if you're a fan <laughs> you know and not just yeah. seeing it off the cuff but as the general audience of Star Trek fans having lived their entire lives with these characters uh, like myself for instance that when you get to 6 and he says well then let them die it's not like what an asshole it's like you understand yeah you could he's see he's been in they've been in military conflict with these people for 70 years yeah <laughs> you know and Uh, he has a personal thing and there's a whole bunch more about that that we'll get to in the, in the novelization. And the problem with the novelization is, I mean, I guess in a world like with Star Trek, when you have things that are like, that's considered canon and this isn't considered canon. I would imagine that in that kind of vein that the novelizations of the, of the movies are probably considered canon. But there's all bunch bunch of other stuff in the in the novels in the novelization that isn't in the movie, and it's tough to discuss because you don't know one is it from an earlier draft of the script, and so therefore it does kind of make sense and was worth discussing, or is it something that the writer, uh, who in this case is uh, uh, J M Dillard, whether she wrote it, and it really didn't have anything to do with the movie. And how much do we want to discuss something that's not in the movie because it's not really related? So it, it's, the novelization is always like a, a little bit of a hairy th- uh, thing in terms of discussing a movie like this, they, like, you, like you and I do, uh, because I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it because, like I said, I don't know how, much, how relevant it is to the discussion. Well, but, certainly but interesting there, but, there's inter- the but there's interesting stuff about it, and so we're just going to tease that. Yeah. Because once we get kind of further in the movie, we I'll, start rolling, I'll talk a little bit more about uh, that. I, and
2: it's also hard, because by that time, not only are you writing a novelization, th- you know, since the series stopped in 67, 8? 9, I think. 9, that you, until you get... Oh, you know, that's another thing, too, growing up. I had... Uh, I'd watched the Star Trek cartoon from yeah, the 70s. Yeah, the animated star- series. You know, yeah. I remember... Um, you know when I was like 9, 10, 11 They started playing that like On Saturday morning on uh, Nickelodeon would play that yeah. Or Saturday afternoons yeah. So if you were in on the afternoon You can catch that And that was great Because I had never seen that And then you have like uh, What's his face Doing doing all these Different voices in it Jimmy doing Yeah, yeah he's uh, And then uh, So Oh what the hell I just I just lost my train of thought You're talking about the Oh so since after around that time you have so much people like audience or fans are looking for content yeah. they start doing uh, tons of books
0: sure yeah so
2: you have there's, a whole other there's novelizations of the episodes yeah and then there's star what are they called star logs maybe star logs Then they're all numbered sometimes you have more you have other writers starting to write yeah
0: expanding on the universe and with the characters and stuff and sure. then you have
2: Shatner at some point was doing his own uh, novels uh, as well and you have like this huge and then Paramount um, I don't know how they are well, as of this recently but like in the early 2000s they were very liberal with letting people use the Star Trek as long as they weren't profiting If it, or you know like this Paramount wouldn't sue you if you went and did like a fan thing yeah they you tightened
0: know? that up a little bit because allegedly this is all like this is not I'm, I'm not an authority on this this is hearsay <laughs> hearsay yeah. uh, talking to people who do these fan films some of them you and I when we lived together Yeah, ten we watched years ago, They were good We would download them And watch them We built the whole set and Yada, yada, yada Yeah But as far as I know What happened was Somebody who was doing them One of the more popular Like series Some of them were getting Old actors from the TV shows like the,
2: Yeah uh, They made like a sequel To the Doomsday we, Machine Yeah
0: So I don't remember Which one it, Who I don't know who it was But uh, as far as I know Somebody did a like a Kickstarter account or a fa- a crowdfunding account to raise money to make them and raise like over a million dollars, and then just never made you it. Just <laughs> took the money anymore or something. And so I could see why like so you, Paramount. like Paramount know, was like, "Whoa, whoa, Blows the somebody <laughs> out of the pool."
1: you wrote <laughs> yeah, it for everybody.
2: Yeah. Good now. Yeah, so um, uh, I think because I was talking to somebody. Well, my original point was with the novel is yeah. that you have all this content coming out, so when you go try to write the novelization, it's not just writing a novelization for a movie. Then you have to give it to like a team of lawyers because they have to look through it to just see if you're you're not inventing shit that isn't right or you're sure, using the... Yeah. Key, you know, it's like this and there is whole other refer- th- hurdle, hurdle.
0: It is referencing a lot of stuff. The novelization for Six references a lot of things. It's almost in- like a Game in- of Thrones. Including <laughs> the original series, yeah. including an episode from the original series. And there's other stuff that they talk about that very well... Could just be referencing things from earlier novels and stuff. So yeah, it does get a little bit hairy.
2: So it's, it's quite amazing to see that when you have that big of a catalog. I mean, it's it's if you're a fan of it, that's amazing. You can go, you can you can digest it as. I mean, they were doing that with Star Wars too, and you know they had sure. like the uh, Marvels uh, comics And, and the uh, X Wing or X Fighter. They had a whole series of those, all all different kinds. So it's great when you have that digestible. You know, maybe. Books for young kids, or the photo novels, or the or all all kinds of different, uh, yeah. you know, uh, cassette tapes and stuff. We have the record, you know, the the, the, sure, yeah. the show record, you know, that which is like a you know like a radio show on a record, like a story what comes with a storybook or whatever. So it's so fun when you have all that. And then for years, this was the only way to get it was almost through the movies. And then when they started the next generation, by the time you hit six, it's like it's almost like oh, you know. Do we have the next? Do we use the next generation guys, or you know, because you're hitting to that point where it's like we already have a show on television, so it's like it's a mixing of the two worlds, and uh, it was it was a very different world back in 1990. What is this? 1992, 91 Mm, when this came out,
0: late 91, like the summer of
2: yeah. That that you know to now, so it's like we it's also too we we view say William Shatner so differently now than we did then. So it's like it's almost like does he have his jump to the shark moment in this movie, or you know, because he he becomes a he's having a career at that time doing Rescue 911. that show he's then he does what is that um, uh, what's that series he did in the uh, sci-fi channel which was a whole other kind of tech wars maybe T-E-K wars where it was a Shatner created and yeah it was a you know
0: I don't think he was in it but yeah he he had some sort of show that he wrote he he had co-written a series of books that might have become a TV show tech war sounds right yeah and
2: then when you hit that um, what is the name of that uh, there was
0: another Gene Roddenberry show which might have been that might have been tech wars. I don't know. I'm not.
2: Yeah, but so Shatner was like, you know, he was a <coughs> serious guy, and he, you know, and, and then kind of like when you're getting into the early 2000s and with that, like Hollywood, whatever that movie is, ho- with the with the De Niro's in it, and maybe. Oh yeah, Jim G- Eddie G- Murphy. G- yeah, was the, it Eddie Murphy in that? Yeah, they kind of like he kind of parodies himself, and you know, he just got off a of T.J. Hooker in the 80s here. So it's 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 interesting where this movie hits and all that, and then with the. With the career and where Star Trek is and its legacy, that that it you know, and then I don't know how w- you and I used to always joke because this is Nicholas Meyer who did Wrath of Khan, that you know we only like the Nicholas Meyer movies. <laughs> or we used to you know we like two, yeah, yeah. two and six because people are our favorites. because people love. It seems to me, in my experience, uh, the casual. Person who may not watch the show but like Star Trek will say I like Star Trek. Will say I like four the whale one. Yeah. Then people who like all the movies then like you know, or who are pretty legit fan will say they like two the best. Yeah. And, and
0: then and I, I think it, the general consensus has come around in recent years, decades, that two in the past decade that I think like two
2: has really gotten taken some. the stronghold yeah. of, of being
0: the popular one. And
2: then I know people who are like die hard. Uh, Trekkies who like you know they love them all they love you one sure. you know even th- the, to go as far as thinking that two through I guess four is one story yeah you know because it's happening back and they've back. even released
0: it like on Blu-ray that
2: way that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> that's <laughs> almost like them doing like the Godfather saga you know like, I love them yeah. f-
0: I love the first one yeah first one used to play back in the day kids Sunday nights <laughs> on the the major networks NBC, ABC and CBS was reserved for movies, Sunday night movie, yeah. And they would either do a television movie in the 90s around this time late 80s early 90s was a lot of uh like revisiting older TV shows like you like Dion and I did a Episode on the trial for the of the Incredible Hulk. So you have like there was three Hulk movies. There was a Beyond uh, a Six Million Dollar Man,
2: Bionic Woman. Mary Ma- yeah, they Mary? got married. <laughs> uh, so we get, you get a lot of those. What's the Brady Bunch? They had a wedding movie. There was uh, the maybe there was a Brady Bunch. There was definitely a Brady Bunch Christmas movie. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, there was there were w- there were also. Disney was producing movies that were kind of like reboots. You could kind of say of like a Shaggy Dog, one of those properties, you know. Sure,
0: they was revisiting that. Yeah, There was this run of revisiting classic horror stories. So you had uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with... uh, Michael, Michael Caine Cain. you yeah. had the that Jack the Ripper miniseries Michael Caine Michael Caine yeah. there was definitely a Phantom of the Opera one and then you'd get the pilot movies for potential TV shows like Viper yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was that vampire one that became a show there was a vampire show the original TV movie had Rick Springfield but the show didn't mm. uh, Mike Vanderbilt would know the <laughs> <name>. <laughs> Mike
2: Vanderbilt <laughs> tweet us right now please <laughs>
0: Know I'm the talking name. to the future. who <laughs> wouldn't know the name of this TV yeah. show, um, uh, this TV movie. But aside from all that, you would get the te- like, uh, television airing of a studio mo- like feature film But it was released in it, theater. It's
2: so weird because back then TV was so regimented with uh, you had Saturday and Sunday morning cartoons. You had Friday night was TGIF, so you'd have all that comedy programming. Um, during the week, you'd have the after school cartoons on, so... It's weird how formulaic even that was. So, when sure. you get to Sunday night, you'd have, yeah. you know, I remember Knight Rider, Silver Spoons, or uh, We're Believe It or Not being on. And then w- once you get like 8 or 9 o'clock, yeah, you'd have, have your nine movie. 9 o'clock, the movie would come
0: yeah. on. And, you, you know, movies that I remember seemed to be on a lot when we were little in the 80s were things like Jaws 3.
1: Yes.
2: Uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture was yep. on a lot. You know, it was for me, ABC was the shining because I would, uh, you know, it was so scary. I wasn't supposed to watch it, but. I don't know if diehard people our age will remember this. If you had a radio and you go to a.m., and you go all the way down to the to the bottom dial. Like you could listen you can, to CBS. You, you get, oh, I get ABC. Yeah, up in New York. Yeah. I
0: think maybe in Philadelphia it was, I believe it was CBS. You so could listen
2: to CBS. Yeah, you could tune it in. If you just got it right, it's like break it into a safe. And I remember like at night when my mom was like, go to sleep. And I couldn't watch The Shining, but I tuned in, so I heard Scatman Crothers give him the tour. You know, like, you know, So it's like, yeah, it's so weird that you have these reoccurring mo- movies that would come on. So I grew up with, the
0: motion picture on television And yeah. of course th- for TV I think they even Expanded it on some viewing
2: Yeah and that was very controversial at the time because it's Robert w- Wise which was a very good idea We talk about a little about this with In the Disney black hole cast where people talk About like you, know, you would have thought Disney would have got Robert Wise to do the black hole but instead they got um Oh uh, I forget The gentleman's name uh, and he would have Did Star Trek but you know they got Paramount got that big And that was I think worked but it Was hard because it's people you know, I guess there are uh, conflicting views. on if it's good, yeah, if sure. it's long-winded, the ending is it too too much as, like two thousand one? As a
0: kid, the motion picture was not exciting.
2: Yeah, that's the exact word I was just thinking <laughs> of. It's fun. It's you're in it, but it's not. You're not like it's not like or, uh, As an adult, revisiting,
0: yeah, the motion the pic the uh, motion picture, the motion picture, the motion picture, maybe it's <laughs> <motion to> <laughs> from ten years ago or something. Yeah. And I only remembering it from watching it on TV as a kid. Uh, Loved it. Yeah. Oh, as it's great. As an adult, I loved and, it. And you know what, too? It's, it is so
2: frightening. And at, at the end, when you, uh, you know, for people who were like our parents' age at the time, it would have been even a, a, a great spoiler alert, so if people haven't seen it, kind of like a twist at the end, because NASA had only launched Voyager 1 in 1977. Yeah. So that was this huge it's event huge. that that, that, this, that, you know, we're doing this interstellar. They were just going to launch us, the first satellite into orbit, it was just going to go. And we're gonna see how far it can go, and then how long. And it's still going, and we don't know where it's, you know. But and I remember when I was little, like you know, first grade, they're like it just passed Pluto, and you're like, holy shit, you know. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're that's still a tracking long it, yeah. Away. So like for that just to happen two years before, and then at the, 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 the end, it's it's V'ger is Voyager one. It's like holy shit, it's yeah, yeah. You know, three hundred years in the future, it's become self aware. Well, that's it, the beauty of Star Trek, uh, and
0: more on that later <laughs> <laughs> but but first there is a the, f- you know starts this is it started off talking i want to start this com this part of the conversation started off with me talking about how i would watch the motion picture on tv a lot yeah the reason why i think i love one of the reasons why i think i love six so much yeah is because we had it taped mm. off of like the cbs or whatever i would say it's probably cbs because I think that's where it originally aired, Star Trek Anyway, we had it taped off a of TV From a Sunday night with commercials And so for the longest time This was the only one I had on VHS I think it's NBC Maybe NBC, yeah. or whatever uh, So CBS is, is the one that airs the new show Yeah. That's why I got confused, Discovery
2: But he pitched it to CBS, we can get that later He pitched it to CBS <clears> first But uh, So I would just
0: watch it a lot yeah just, well, that's the benefit just, of having just, yeah <laughs> just sheer out of like i would just throw it on whenever i needed something to watch because it's totally watchable yeah and it's, and one it's of these... exciting and
2: it's suspenseful and it's fun and uh, we could talk about the plot structure as we go on but just like that first 40 minutes 45 minutes is just so taunt and you're so into it and uh I remember when we got to film school, you and I. Like uh you know, we first day we Blake and I were roommates together, uh and we were had the same major, very unusual. Well we're living together, we're going to so we're just okay, we're whole hands and go to school every day <laughs> together, come home together. <laughs> So I remember us being in Greg's class, which was like our film theory class, uh, Greg Taylor, our old teacher, and we were in, he had, um, what well, we were like in that theater kind of a class, it was like one of these yeah, like... The choral hall, Yeah, it's called. So it's like one of these kind of things where it looks like almost like a, you see the old surgeries where it's like, you know, it's, it's, you, could, you have to walk up to sit down and the, yeah. you know, and then the lecture is at the organ. bottom. There's an organ in the back. There's <laughs> like a big pipe. <laughs> yeah, because they would have uh, music recitals in this thing. It's a half circle. So Blake and I would sit up Near the back, that year we'd sit up uh, frame right, screen right to the projection room. Which is where the door to the projection room was. So we We had the
0: two seats next to the projection room.
2: Which is hilarious because a lot of times when when we would watch these crazy movies, I would fall asleep. So I feel bad. Then Greg is opening the door, running for our break, and I'm like. (laughs) You know, whatever. Because sometimes in
0: some way it was like the best vantage point because yeah. you're
2: up like looking you're right You're as here, close to the projector as, as you, you can, can be. really yeah. yeah. And I remember for some reason you and I were bullshitting that day, and you took your wallet out and you had a Star Trek. You I, know, you were part of the. You I know, do
0: have an official Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. And I was. And, and I don't know why. It's
2: not like you handed it to me, but I saw it. Maybe you dropped it. I'm like, hey, you're a. You're a Trekkie, too? <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, well that's, that's out of sight. you know." Oh yeah, I'm? I used
0: to order things out of like, the catalogs, the Star Trek catalogs. Yeah,
2: because it gets me back to I never had anybody. My, my closest friends growing up, my friend Martin, my friend Chris, they weren't necessarily sci-fi fans. I had a cousin who was into Star Wars. But like nobody, my dad liked Star Trek. He's the one who got me into the movies. He's the one who got me into Next Generation. I kind of fell off of... I didn't watch Deep Space Nine. I watched the pilot, which was huge when the pilot aired. And then after that, I never watched Deep Space Nine. And then I didn't watch Voyager when we were in high school. So it's like coming to college, I was like, oh, you know, because then also the other elephant in the room that people may not want to remember is that it was kind of looked at as somewhat dorky. Sure. You know, yeah. or you're a nerd, you know, and that was the butt of a lot of jokes. Not that I cared about that, but it's like, you know, you don't really talk to people yeah, about it.
0: Yeah. Now with this stuff, it's completely different. Now. Yeah. Like pop, like, <laughs> nerd <laughs> culture has is, is become something. Is is the it's the norm yeah. now, you know. It, the internet changed everything. Yeah. It kind of united us, it made, gave us access to things. And we've talked about this with horror and stuff like that. But it kind of, uh, now with the Marvel movies and. And television programming and the internet, like really now, like science fiction and fantasy is mainstream.
1: Yeah. Which just wasn't
0: the, the case. Sure, it made money. You know, it was profitable. Uh, but it was. It was you're like right. G- it was like a
2: guilty pleasure. It
0: was, f- you know, people. There was a. There was a. There probably still is a community, like a, a certain section of the, of the community that do kind of think it's stupid. Uh, but I mean, you could even. And be then even within the geek things there was there's always been this weird Star Trek versus Star Wars yeah there thing, was a huge which I never started because I loved them both still love them both yeah, you could really throw down that
2: way and it, I, you know it was because you could be you could have people who like sci-fi movies like say you know uh sci-fi horror movies or the 50s sci-fi movies or sci-fi products on TV but then it was to go one step further and put two s- shoes down and then you're you like Star Trek yeah which is a bigger it's like almost and then you further that argument then Doctor Who it's like what the fuck, <laughs> you know? You know, people, you know. It's like you're really committing to something. Well, there.
0: in some ways, science fiction culture, in terms of, n- uh, in terms of not literary fiction, yeah, started with Star Trek. Really, I mean, in, in terms of a community, like the, the Star Trek convention started yeah. in the '70s uh, because it, it gained a lot of. The, you know, the season three only existed. Of the original series, Recent, original series was only on for three seasons. Only we only got to see three years of its five year mission.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but the only th-
0: the third season only existed because of a writing campaign.
2: Yeah, and then it was they only had like a quarter of their budget by that point. Yeah, you know?
0: and uh, throughout the seventies, it became it went into syndication, and so people were watching it in reruns. And by the mid seventies, just four, five, six years later. It had a huge audience. Well, then you got
2: the cartoon. Too comes out. The cartoon that time.
0: comes out in seventy four, but that's
2: because yeah. of this rise pop. This of popularity. And what year is the first um, New York City convention? That's like around mid I mid forget. to late seventies. That's yeah. I've I have do not people are like you are crazy. We're going to be able to fill up, you know like an auditorium with people who like this show, and yeah. then it was, and like, was like, like at
0: Madison Square Garden or yeah,
2: something <laughs> freaking huge. And that was the first of. And there was science fiction conventions. Yeah. Oh, the, or that. horror conventions. You had Bef- like you know there were big Ackerman, science. Forrest Ackerman's monster, you know, you had those kind of conventions for there monsters. There were big
0: science fiction uh, exp- expos and yeah. stuff in the 50s and 60s.
2: But uh, I don't
0: know if there had ever been one specifically for... A property like for that. For a property, yeah. yeah. and So Star Trek was huge, and that's... You know, the... I, I I don't think we need to get too much into like a lot of the history, but... Part of the history that led to the movies was this rise in popularity in the seventies was like, well, maybe we should do a movie. Yeah. And then that movie eventually didn't work out, and then they were like, well, let's do another TV series. Yeah. We'll do
2: Star Trek, like the continuing eventually. Yeah. Star and Trek. They, they were calling it Phase Two. Phase Two. Originally,
0: like the music, the the original movie they were talking about maybe calling it Star Trek Two. Yeah. And then Phase Two became this idea for a TV show, and they shot some test footage, I think. And then even just before, yeah. And then. All of a sudden, probably because, I'm guessing, the success of Star Wars.
2: And then all of a sudden you have Star Wars comes out in 77. You have Space 99 on television. Then Mm -hmm. 78, Battlestar Galactica comes out. That's sued by Star Wars because it's too much. So Black Hole comes out in 79. So all of a sudden everybody's going to space. Moonraker. So I
0: think because of probably the success of Star Wars, uh, Paramount was like, Turn this unbeknownst movie. to like even the people that were working on the show like you know what canceled yeah we're doing a movie <laughs> and so they re- i think they revised some earlier scripts that roddenberry had been working on for a potential movie maybe some of the stuff that they were thinking about doing for the tv show and then that's how we get star trek the motion picture yeah uh it's a it's a it's certainly out of the f- six movies it's a little bit of an oddity in terms of feel
2: but it's good for its time yeah even uh, yeah aesthetic look yeah it's just it's very departure
0: it's a a departure from the show and then a departure from what would come
2: after it yeah
0: like you said two three and four are definitely like a trilogy in in a lot in more than a lot of ways yeah it's it's a continuing arc going from spoiler alert the death of Spock (laughs) (laughs) to the search for Spock (laughs) Through uh the
2: re entrance of Spock's Katra. Huh. <laughs> <And> <laughs> with the Frank Welker scream. <laughs> and then uh Stealing the then blowing Enterprise up at the end of Spoiler art <laughs> at the end of three, yes, bird of prey. So So start motion
0: picture, but I love the motion oh, picture. Oh, I do There's too. There's a lot of I could see an argument where you can be like, Well, you could do that. You could do motion picture with any crew. Yeah. Mean, any, know, like, it could have been any it could have been any science that, fiction. You could
2: you could sure. Okay. But it's but it's not but it's not. <laughs> it's it's Star Trek. Trek. it's Star Trek. Yeah, it's it's, our, it's it's the people we know and, and love. And it's
0: cool and it's fucking
2: weird as hell. And it's all and it's, it's terrifying. 40 <laughs> minutes of them getting out of the, the space dock with the ship and there's alternate music. When
0: they try to go into uh, uh light speed or whatever, not light speed, what are they? warp speed for yeah. the first time and there's something wrong and and the camera has like then goes to like a registration problem because they're like stuck between <laughs> <to mention>.
2: Frightening frightening. <laughs> And then with the it 2001 kind of ending hey. with Spock when he's in the thing and all that shit's going by yeah, him, it's, yeah, all, it's the all 2001. It's all unbelievable. And um, to, I guess get us up to par quickly. You know, Gene Roddenberry, uh, he was a, a like a chips motorcycle cop like uh, by trade during the day, but he was a writer. Mm-hmm. And then he finally got his he he got his stuff shown. Uh, you know, it's one of his. He was tired of being a cop. He wants to be a dream come true. Be a writer like uh, for te- television. He gets his shit in front of an exec. He starts being a freelance writer. He's writing for shows like Wagon Train, like um, Highway Patrol, Dr. Kilgar. And then he gets a series called the Lieutenants. Kildare. K- what I say? Kilgore? Yeah. Kildare. Yeah. Uh, with Richard um, Chamberlain. Thank you. And somebody <laughs> else there, too, which I forget. Oh, J- no, Josh Brolin is. Um, he might have also. The big Brolin is. John? John Brolin. James? James Brolin is um, Marcus Welby. He also might have written for some of those courtroom... Oh, kind of show, like a Perry Courtrooms. Mason or something. He also something.
0: had a... There was a show that might have had Shatner in it that he might have written early on. Yeah. Or Michelle Nichols. So what is, well, there was some kind of connection there. Well,
2: he does this show called The Lieutenants, which Michelle Nichols is on. Yeah, I mean, that's what and I and it's of. And it's about army lieutenants. I don't know too much about it, but it's about two army lieutenants. One, one's black and one's white. So it's, there's some already some racial tension there. And then Michelle Nichols plays the... Uh, black man's wife, and then there's about you know, of course, this is the early 60s race is injected. But what ends up happening is very quickly the studios are like, you know, dude, this is too, too dicey for network television. We can't talk Ooh. about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brah, brah, brah. Yeah, chill. You gotta take a chill pill, brah. Um, you know, there's too much good, it's too, too, uh, too much of a hot topic, even for networks at the time in the early 60s. So for one reason or the other, the show dies. Either he lets, Roddenberry lets it die, or the network's kind of let it let die. It die.
1: <laughs> let it die. <laughs> let it
2: die. So uh, he starts pitching this uh, kind of Star Trek kind of show, which you said is kind of like a uh, uh, a wagon train in space. Love Wagon Train, Wade Bond. Uh, I'm a big fan of that show. But also there's a little known show called, uh, and I f- I'm f- forgetting the but fucking your name show, of it. man your story. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. With uh with Darren McGavin? Mm-hmm. Riverboat. Yeah. Thank you. Riverboat with uh Darren McGavin as the captain and then also But then there's that other one that you I'm watch. getting to that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a late fifties show called Riverboat Darren McGavin is the captain, and Burt Reynolds was on it for a time, but it's about a riverboat going down yeah, to maybe the Mississippi. about on
0: the, I guess, maybe with the Night Stalker episode. Yeah,
2: because I started watching, and the name of that show, the name of that riverboat's the Enterprise, and then in every episode they go from port to port, and they pick up people and gambling, because it's like a traveling casino, so there's yeah. the intrigue getting people, so that's kind of like, oh, that's nice. more like
0: Deep Space Nine, maybe.
2: Yeah, floating thing, but it's got that kind of idea of, you know, getting on a ship. So, Ron Barry starts pitching Star Trek, he pitches to, to CBS, CBS, Likes the idea, asks him for, for notes. He's yeah, like, how would you do it? Yeah, how would you save money? Like, out of curiosity. Yeah. Like, how would you pull this off? So Roddenberry answers him, and he gives him this elaborate way to save money, and then he finds out that they're actually mining him for ideas because they have Lost in Space they're and Erwin Allen's yeah. uh, show. And then Lost in Space comes out, and it's a huge hit. So Roddenberry's like, fuck. And th- this is getting to what you were just saying. Erwin uh, Allen also had a Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, which ran from 64 to 68. And uh, doing some research into this, a lot of people will say that like it's very Star Trekky, except it's underwater. It's in this the SeaQuest, I think. No, the Sea View. Sea SeaQuest is the show. Sea View is the sub. Um, with uh, what's his face, uh, Richard Basehart. Great show, but it's Star Trek underwater. Sure. Two years later, and then uh, Roddenberry still writing, doing stuff. He goes to NBC. He, he they like the idea. They commission a pilot. They do the pilot for the for a Star Trek show. They come back. They're like, hey, it's kind of too serious for us, and they yeah, have some notes. Have Pike, Captain Pike. Yeah, the Spock. Leonard Nimoy on we the don't show. Have Kirk yet. We don't have the crew that we know and love. We do have Spock. Yeah, but he's laughing. He's joking. He's making yeah, jokes. Spock's in the a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, know, you little, see him laughing. He's a little in the bastard background. in the background. Love so uh, I guess very played uh, by Jeffrey Hunter, Captain Pike. Yeah, w- when that ends up happening, very unusual uh, to. Uh, NBC is like, we like it, but we want you to refine it. Here are some surreal. notes. Yeah, do another pilot. So Roddenberry refine tunes it, redoes some stuff, and he goes to get Jeffrey Hunter again. He's unavailable. So the first person he goes to is Jack Lord of Hawaii Five O fame. Jack Lord's interested, but they can't get a contract together, so Jack Lord's like, see I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're like, I guess so. And then uh, he goes and does the Hawaii Five O. so they're looking around and they find William Shatner, who's kind yeah. of at the time like an equivalent to like a Clint Eastwood or Steve McQueen, who were like, you know, th- those two guys had their start on television. Sure. Shatner's good looking. He's been doing television since the early 50s. Yeah, Shatner you know, was a Canadian theater actor.
0: actor in Canada, came to America. Yeah. And some iconic episodes of things like Twilight One. Zone and Studio One. Been kicking around. Did uh, what's the great movie with uh, Judgment uh, at Nuremberg? C- uh, which plays Roger Corman, where he's a bigot in the South. Oh, there's a great movie. The where, People? No, no, nah, it's not the people. Of course. And then he had done uh, Incubus, Incubus, <laughs> which yeah. was the first movie in Esperanto. Yeah. Maybe the only movie in Esperanto. Yeah, but we digress. <laughs> you can
2: look that up. Yeah. Uh, so look, Shatner's got a... T- but he's straight... He's been around. He's doing, and he's doing good work. He's a solid guy in, in guest spots or and having a show. Handsome you know, as hell. Good a leading work. man for sure. Yeah, that's that's why they're saying he's like an Eastwood McQueen. He's very good looking. So they get him, and, and Shatner's interested in the part, so they, re- they re- redo the pilot. They he shoot the pilot. They shoot another pilot. Yeah, not redo. They no. do a new pilot. Yeah, a new story very they find it.
0: Very different from the original
2: pilot. And that gives us Star Trek. Yeah. And then from there, that's when you know, Shatner everybody starts talk coming to the table saying that they're contributing ideas or Shatner saying like instead of being so dramatic, uh, you know, and then nothing happens, he's like I want to keep the, act. you know, so he had a whole different way of acting and the style and then very by episode 2 Spock is learning how to you know, oh, you know, he had a line that said like fascinating, and he said it. this is fascinating, and the, doc- the director is like, wait a minute, why don't you deliver that line like you're genuinely curious? And he's yeah. like, fascinating. Well, so even he if it, you
0: watch the first episode, not just the, the original pilot with Jeffrey Hunter, but when you watch the second pilot with uh, Shatner. Spock still, Nimoy still hadn't figured it out. No, right? he's yeah, just exactly. A, he's just an asshole. Yeah, he's a dick in the back. You know, it, Kirk's—he's like, like he's like tripping him <laughs> in that first pilot. and that second pilot with Shatner, like part of the idea is one of Shatner's, be- uh, one of Kirk's best friends, ha- ends up getting some kind of weird k- telekinesis powers, and of course. Becomes powerful and then, with great power comes responsibility. But he's not <laughs> responsible. No, no. So he lets it get to his head. Blah blah blah. And Kirk, and Spock's like, Captain, we gotta kill him. Gotta fucking kill
2: this guy. And it's like, it's it's Kirk's it's best dwarf, friend. You know, it's like, well, enough, <laughs> Wolf. Uh, but then by two, by the second episode was just the Salt Monster episode. Which yeah, was, Nimoy uh, starts getting. Nimoy it, comes. Uh, you yeah, got Nimoy, and then we you got, know that's a that's a
0: big storyline that involves around
2: McCoy. Yeah. You know? who I love the Forest Force. Kelly, great. Another. Uh, if we're going to talk a little about the other people, DeForest Kelly was a great actor at the time. Great character actor. Did a lot of great westerns. He's in one of my favorite episodes of Suspense called mm. "The Flesh Peddler." Uh, you can probably, if you Google that, that's a radio show suspense. We talked about suspense. Suspense brought to you by AutoLite or <laughs> Roma Wine. Um, check that out because it's a very awesome with a twist ending. Really fucked up, actually. Uh, excuse my French. Uh, but so he was a great actor at the time. So they got him. They went for uh, Martin Landau for Spock in uh, Martin Landau, which is kind of funny. He's like, I don't want to take this part because, I, you know, it's an emotionalist, whatever. Who wants to play that? Yeah, he's like, let, let L- L- Lenny Nimoy play it, you know. And Leonard Nimoy at the time, he had done Outer Limits. He's in the As- Isaac Asimov episode, I, Robot, of Outer Limits. He's done a lot of other stuff here or there. Smaller
0: parts. This is a great episode of Twilight Zone that has uh, Al... From quantum leap. Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Yeah. Where it was like a I don't know it was the Korean War. Oh yes, or, and they flip. And they flip. It's flip. probably Korean
2: War where they they the, yeah.
0: But Nemoy's in that is just one of the people in the platoon.
2: Yeah. It's one of those out of you know, where like the Dean Stockwell's a real dick and then after like the, the, the first credit sequence or the commercial, you come back, he's like swap positions, he's now the enemy and he's in you know, yellow face, and he's like, I don't understand, and he's the only one who has a memory, and then he has to understand his fault of his ways. That's very yeah. good. Uh, Nimoy also was on the show before because hes he, remember, he had a cameo in Them, which we yeah. did last year uh, for Halloween, the, the ant horror movie from the 50s. He's got a couple lines in Them. Uh, so, you know, they've all been around the block. They get this show. The show starts doing good, and the show becomes... Uh, to Gene Roddenberry's credit, it's like they're, they're, he's doing morality plays. Sure, he's talk, he's taken on, and this is the thing about another big thing about sci-fi is that the, the best sci-fi is kind of written by being able to like take topics that are like too emotional or too controversial to talk. Things plainly that are going about. out in the current day, yeah, or any whether any, political or social that or are whatever. just too much hot topics to discuss and talk about. If you could take them out of context and then put them in something some other form, hence this sci-fi. Yeah. You can have a whole different way of looking at things, and this is what Roddenberry was doing. So he's doing stories about you know race, war, sure. politics, sex, uh, gender, uh, uh, you know, nuclear, bo- you know, ver- mutual destruction. Yeah, I mean, the, you uh, know, again, the Frank Gorshin. Remember Frank the Frank or- Gorshin uh, yeah, episode where it's the black For- face and the white unfortunately,
0: face. Unfortunately, the, the name of the episode is escaping me. But because like we the know, last our, battle we, we work something.
2: with card catalogs in our head, not yeah, hard drives. Yeah. So, so we lose a lot of yeah, card yeah. catalogs. So the,
0: of course, the famous episode with Frank Gorshin, and I forget who played. The other, uh, the other main guy. character. Yeah. but it's just two aliens. One, uh, fa- one
2: has a bl- what is it? The black, black sword.
0: on w- the right, w- but white on the w- on the on the left, and the other one has white on the. Right and black on the left And they hate each other And you can't understand And the, the, c- the Enterprise doesn't like, understand Why do you hate each other Like you're the same And they're like No he's got the Switched His face is <laughs> yeah. white and black are switched And right. it's a
2: great example Of Frank Gorshin's Brilliant acting Because he's a, he's a You know a ham on As the Riddler on Batman sure, yeah. But then he's Playing his great straight part So it's like He's doing these shows <laughs> and, the, and, and obviously It's a comment on Like how ridiculous It is Civil to, rights Or the to,
0: racism To you know Suppress Feel something about somebody strictly because of the color of their skin
2: or the way they look yeah and so he's doing these things Roddenberry. but the the problem is that it's not it's not a success it's not popular the first season or so it's like it's not getting very good ratings but then on the other side of the court on cbs they have lost in space going and lost in space is freaking hugely successful and their lost in space is up in the same hour against Batman 66. So since Batman 66 is also hugely popular like schlock, Lost in Space is trying to schlock it up just as much and if you're a lost in space fan it certainly starts off kind of more serious but then as the show the show arc goes it gets so schlocky it jumps the shark completely and it kind of just you know fizzles away and dies but at the time that was popular schlock escapism the hokiness so the writer the people at NBC, the execs were trying to pressuring roddenberry to like hey you should make it more like this show, Lost in Space, which is really popular. Make it a little more schlocky. And Roddenberry, to his credit, is like, no, I need to keep. We need to keep this serious and talk about you know. But then it suffered from bu- budget budgetary sure. problems. I mean, and you, you always
0: got lighter episodes. Yeah. like a hippie episode, and then <laughs> you have the, of course, the Harry Mudd episodes, like Mudd's Women, and then of course Trouble
2: with Tribbles. Yeah, you know
0: there was lighter episodes. But, yeah,
2: uh, but it wasn't like you know as just ridiculous as these, these are. But then that kind of style faded away like like overnight you know Star Trek uh, Batman 66 you know was canceled maybe I think before the third season or the fourth I forget which it was and Lost in Space had you know ends up fit, pittering out but then like you said they end what are they they, they end up canceling season three of Star Trek yeah
0: like, okay, that's because the
2: ratings and there's this big writing campaign all of a sudden and then Nichelle Nichols tells a very good story that she was very upset about what was going on in the show that and what they they the problem she was having with stuff. And she was at one point was going to walk away from the show. Yeah, It was
0: like, she would only ever just sat in the background and
2: she just wasn't, she had a couple lines when the show started, but then as other characters introduced it, kind of were, yeah putting her in the back. She
0: just, she was not happy with it as she was going to leave. And she was at some kind of party or rally.
2: Well, somebody said something. to him, like, we have a fan that wants to talk to you. They Somebody got him a letter saying like a, well, your biggest fan of Star Trek wants to talk to you, and she's okay. And then, like, in walks like Martin Luther King Jr., yeah. Yeah. and he's like, "I am that big Trekkie," and he starts talking about. And she's like,
0: like, "Well, I'm leaving the show." Yeah, and, and he's, like, he's like, "You can't
2: leave." Yeah, it's your duty, you know, as a you're as like, a person. You can't leave. Yeah,
0: you're a black face amongst all these yeah. white you're, faces. This is the first time
2: and you're an equal, you know. Yeah. No, uh, and this is the first time you really see in that context I mean the, prior to that race was a very hot contested issue and it was always the, the casting and stuff was always kind of looked down upon I mean you had strides that say Jack Benny having Rochester try to be an equal but at the same time he was kind of work for him so it, into the 50s into the 60s this was the first time you had a, uh, a female uh, and then yeah uh, not, know, just the, uh, not just the, a not just uh, a yeah. African American African American or a black person in a show but it was a
0: female black person yeah on a crew, yeah, of a, of a fourth a ve- in command, right? Of a vessel,
2: yeah, if, yeah. If, I if think they after all sc- got taken out. I Spock. think after
0: Scotty, she might be the next
2: <laughs> one in line, yeah, which would be crazy. You know, she had, and then she had this big thing coming out of her. sitting in the back, so she stays on the show. That was she, dating Roddenberry at the time. Who did there she date? There is. I felt Nichelle Nichols dated somebody on the show. There is, there are stories that
0: Roddenberry was having an affair with her because he was married to Nurse Chapel.
2: Yes who ends up being the voice for the computer on next generation. Yeah. Uh, and that would make sense because if she met him on his old show the Lieutenant's, they had a history maybe. Yeah. And then I'm sure the, but I don't know conjecture. I, yeah, I mean I don't know the Only Michelle a, Nichols I know it's knows. been a rumor. I don't know. Yeah, for like how many I'm years sure or not. Uh, so the show ends up getting a third season but it's like the budget's are like, you know, dramatically cut so like a lot of you see I think even some of the stories are, you know, still really good, but like you have them being like in black box theaters, or you know, there's or there's episodes where it's, uh, you know, there's there's stuff going on because there try are to some say, good episodes yeah. in three, but
0: certainly three takes a step down in terms of some of the writing, definitely some of the production values. Although I mean, the production values were never,
2: mm-hmm. to, yeah. You it's know. hard to it's hard to do a show
0: like that, you know. <laughs> Whenever the most amazing, yeah. I think it's impressive. The way I thought about it, you know, when we were in college and we were trying to do a student film, yeah, and you know, we were making films that were maybe twenty minutes to thirty minutes, uh, and it was just it was so hard. And I was like, these people were doing forty-five minute films on film, you know a week every week yeah <laughs> and
2: imagine <laughs> when they were live and they the were good yeah you, <laughs> you know, know it was, i was like whoa
0: but then with it's, special effects and sets but that's also with this, the help of a of a team yeah i had like YouTube. a whole new respect f- yeah. for the fact that they were dishing out such that's,
2: that's what blows my quality. mind in, in the 30s and 40s when you have the studio system and you're like a you know i don't know you're a james cagney or cary grant and you're every uh know every week you're in a new film it's like you know just like here's your next assignment you know it's like if you don't want it or not this is what you're gonna be in so I think
0: this idea unless there's anything specific you want to talk about I think this idea of science fiction being a way to talk about real life issues and how Star Trek definitely being uh, a show that always did that
2: and I think it's something that's a
0: good segue into six because six aside from maybe four is the biggest the
2: biggest example
0: of like social and political commentary in Star Trek? Yeah,
2: and it, it's something that Rod Serling. Uh also, learned pretty early on doing Twilight Zone that sure. if you're well, able I mean, to take that,
0: also, you know, but like all those '50s sci-fi movies. Oh yeah, of course. You know, Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers. It's about communism. You yeah, know, like them which we we mentioned and we talked about yeah. was very much playing off of like the the nuclear the the fear of nuclear. Yeah, <laughs> war Godzilla, and, and same and the thing.
2: Yeah, war. yeah, exactly. And then, so when you get it on TV to have this to, to 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 dress up these plots, you know, Twilight Zone was able to do it very well. Roddenberry finds if you have it like that sci-fi. Sci-fi is a very good uh, vehicle to get these things talked about. Car
0: in turn yeah, Night of the Living Dead, which comes out, which is made sixty-eighth, fiftieth anniversary this year. You know, that's another perfect example. It's talking. It's it's covering a lot of things. Of course, having like Star Trek, having a a lead character being African American in the late sixties, big deal. Um, Having him be in the in in a room projecting a bunch of white people slapping a white woman having to take charge being the only one who has a clear head yeah and then of course this aspect of like they they're thinking of the zombies are caused by some kind of fallout radiation to some satellite is definitely playing the on on the nuclear fields, yeah. And so, stuff, the, so, so it,
2: it's a great time to be doing all that. That, that this is happening. So, Star Trek is, is is an embodiment of being able to do this with sci fi and everything like that, as opposed to like Irwin Allen, who wasn't really thinking that much. Flash forward twenty five you know,
0: years later. Yeah, and we're here. We're in the midst of a an, another very interesting time in history. The late sixties, obviously, we're talking about going through the civil rights movement. Uh, a lot of things going on. Then, then in the '70s, of course, in the late '60s into the '70s, we're in Vietnam War, uh, blah blah blah, and he Jump forward to 1991, we, we're in the midst of the like the fall of communism, yeah. a lot of, and, and the fall of the cold, and the end of the Cold War and stuff. Uh,
2: we've we've talked a bit about. Uh, I, I see all these episodes or, or or conversations blend into one, but we've 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 romanced about. Uh, why stuff was in the 80s was happening Why did this come to a head And we have movies like Rocky 4 sure, Or you know, yeah. Good vs. Bad Red, red Dawn red. and all that And I did a little research and one of the big things That happened, Red Heat Red, heat, <laughs> red Death, all these Reds the, There's also a
0: movie with Robin Williams Moscow and the Hudson Moscow and the Hudson, Musca, and the Hudson the where he, yeah, he's a Russian Immigrant coming
2: to like he New York defect
0: to defect yeah. n-
2: to, to America Hunt for Red November. October a lot of well, reds. That's a little bit later. Reds. <laughs> a lot of reds. Well, that's 1990. That's yeah. the first movie I saw in the theater in, 19, in the 90s. I remember thinking that, like, wow. The first movie I've seen of the 90s, because the 90s were so futuristic yeah. in 1990.
0: And lo and behold, it's because it was a very, the late 80s, mid to late 80s was a very interesting time and a big transitional period for the USSR.
2: Right? Yeah. So uh, one of the big things to kick off our tensions was in 1983, there was a Korean airliner Uh, flight 007, 269 people going from New York to Seoul with a stop uh, in Anchorage, Alaska. And when it was going between Alaska and Seoul, it dipped into Soviet radar. And the Soviets at the time thought it was a spy plane because it looked, and it was around the same time the spy plane would be up there. So they shot the thing down. Uh, And supposedly, this was all classified, and then after the fall of the Soviet Union, this stuff came out, but it was like they shot missiles... Hit it, and then it took 12 minutes for it to go down. So it was like, it was like these people suffered. And on board was a uh, representative from Georgia, the House of Representatives. Of course, like you see, start seeing in this movie when we talk about, the first thing the Soviets do is they deny any implication. Sure, you don't know yeah. what happened. This is bullshit. You know, We, we know nothing about it. Uh, and then we've, uh, the uh, plane goes down into the uh, Sea of Japan, and the Soviets quickly go there and they grab the, the flight recorder and they take it away. Of course, they still know no knowledge of it until Japan and America come forward saying, you know, we have your air, we have all your radio transmissions, we know we have the coordinates and all this, and they present all this information. We know you did it. So finally, they be, begrudgingly admit Soviets, like, okay, we did shoot it down. We thought it was a, a spy plane. And then they come back saying, like, you, you know, you're trying to provoke a war. You were trying to test our military response by, by purposely drifting into Soviet airspace. So uh, one of the first thing Reagan does is they refine autopilot on planes, but they also that's the big push for GPS and make GPS free for the world to be able to keep track of everything and that's the push for GPS but it starts this whole tension between you know and then in 1985 um, the old uh, Soviet president dies within hours they put Mikhail Gorbachev in and Mikhail Gorbachev his first thing to do is because of the economy and all that Well, he
0: he inherits a fucking clusterfuck a a lot
2: of shit's (laughs) going on you know you start Uh, taking uh, these uh, uh, 25
0: years or so of what they called stagnation which was uh, you know, lack of any kind of technological growth, growth economic, uh, economic growth. He, he had to inheriting like, you know, things were just not working. Yeah. People were
2: hungry. Shit uh, was going wrong. It was a very huge rampant uh, plague of alcoholism. So his immediate idea is to, to, to uh, put a couple of his people that part of his party loyalists in charge, and then to satisfy appease the other side, he puts, he promotes these people, so it automatically creates this tension between these two factions, and they start butting heads. And then the next thing uh, Gorbachev tries to do, really, is he tries to combat this alcoholism in the country. So he starts trying to limit and put tariffs on alcohol people because people are dying and all And then. Little do we know that that that's a huge part of the USSR economy. So there's, so they almost start a recession, and then there's all all these other things with the pressure for America leads to this Revolution 89 where we're getting at in well, the fall of the, you know, the Soviet Union. Well, even
0: before that, which is, a, I think, a big part of this movie, is a big kind of like metaphorical thing that happens in this movie, is, is that in... Uh, in, in April of 1986, you have the Chernobyl disaster. Right? Oh, yes,
2: yes. And that's another thing. Which where is like, a, we there, don't know nothing. Well, nothing you
0: know, <laughs> that, surrounding countries were like, we're getting a here. lot of crazy radiation readings yeah. going on. Is something going on? there. No, like, no, 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 we're fine. <laughs> nothing happened, nothing happened. And then finally, due to the the, the economic issues that were going on... Uh, the, the fallout. The, the fall, but the fact that for so many years, just like the Klingons, the Soviets had been dumping most of their their like you know their budget into military action and 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 in the arms race with America trying to keep up yeah with nuclear weapons there was no, they there was they had no, nothing to fall back there on. was nothing to to clean up the, the the problem to they needed assistance and for the first time they had to go to outside sources they had to go to like the United Nations and they had to go to surrounding countries and say like look
1: yeah we, we so, something we, did happen some, okay
0: something <laughs> happened. We don't have the money to clean it up. Yeah, uh, to take care of the people, uh, we need help. And that and was that, huge. And that was huge, and that's what that was one of the things that really uh, uh, that Mikhail Gorbachev had to do. And then you know, in addition to all the other kinds of uh, things that he put in a part uh, perestroika, and all these other kinds of like reform things to try to raise the economy to try to deal with corruption in government
2: yeah which you is know, rampant he, as well
0: <laughs> you know when you research it it's like man Mikhail had a lot of <laughs> yeah, out, a lot he, on his shoulders you know like he was uh, and, and unfortunately for him not for the world maybe you know uh some of the, the things they had to put in action or reform led to him being taken out of
2: uh a power pa- of power and, and then, then still. Borscht- Yeltsin goes put then Yeltsin in. goes in and then eventually yeah.
0: the the fall of the the uni- the uh, united
2: uh united states S- of social socialist Russia. Russia, social Russia. Russia the USSR uh and also from the pressure from Reagan in the US to like you know
0: of course you got the wall the berlin wall comes down very polarizing uh in 87 is it it's,
2: Maybe yeah Berlin that's, Wall That's between
0: 89 oh, East so that, and West That uh, comes down in Germany In 89 which is another Significant thing I like,
2: remember where I, That's one of those things Like I remember where I was When Challenger the, That disaster I remember when the Berlin Wall yeah, like That was those huge Yeah
0: that was 89 I remember there's like a Spider-Man Wolverine crossover Comic book Yeah uh, That takes place in Berlin Peter's there to cover to, I think to cover them, the the ball wow. of correctly as a as a photojournalist. Yeah, and I think it's Wolverine is out there for some doing some there. freelance work. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't remember what it is, but yeah. it was a big deal. I yeah, mean, I was it was huge, huge deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean, so it was it was there was this idea of uh, all these communist uh, countries.
2: I mean, look at China because that was Tiananmen Square was eighty nine as well. Yeah. Or 88 with the, with the man going in front of the tank. And that was a huge incident where China then it was another one of these people. Like if you look in the early 2000s, they had an outbreak of SARS. They didn't want to tell the world how big it was. They tried to control information going out. When Tiananmen Square happened, there was a lot of protesters who died. And they tried to control, not let that get out. And even now, China regulates the internet access, all this kind of crap in China. So that's a whole other subject. But it's like these, these communist countries trying to regulate you know what's happening, and then access to their people, and the knowledge, and the, the yeah. media. So it's it's so it kind of built, got to a head in the late '80s. So then by like uh, '88, you have what is that? The it's called the Final Frontier, Star Trek Five. Yeah. So the Voyage Home is for the whales. Mm-hmm. Five is is uh, the Final Frontier, and that doesn't do very well at the box office. No,
0: that's uh, you somehow, Shatner has written into his contract because Nimoy had directed. Star Trek Three, search for Spock, and Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Shiner wanted to direct one. Yeah,
2: and also they there was a huge thing where they changed uh, special effects companies.
0: Yeah, and then there was a lot of New Jersey companies. There was a lot of budgetary things. There was there was a lot of reasons like cutting corners and stuff. And five didn't uh, come out as arguably as strong as the other films, and also also didn't perform as well.
2: You know where when it came out, I remember coming out between. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and uh, Batman, you know. So in the middle of there, got lost in the shuffle. You know, I mean, I mean, it's a big property. It should do well, but maybe it was up against something else that weekend, and then it got killed because I didn't see it until later on. And then, so since Star Trek Five underperforms, they're first very skeptical for a Star Trek Six if they'll even do a Star Trek Six. Yeah, yeah. Then the idea when they first do a Star Trek Six is the initial idea is. Let's do like the Academy years to be a prequel, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and have it be like, uh, and, and they even did some concept art, which looks pretty cool uh, for, for this. And it's like, you know, uh, them going to the Academy and Kirk meeting Spock and Spock's like the first Vulcan, to, to, at the head of his class or whatever, and he's there and he's outspoken or whatever. And they meet and, <laughs> you know, Sh- there's a cowboy, <laughs> but then they're like, no, we want to, the original cast is still here and we want to do a movie with them. And they're like, oh, that kind of sucks. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so they they decide like, no, let's do a movie that centers centers around the original cast, bringing them back together, and all that kind of a thing. So they shelf they get, and I think they even fire the guy who wrote the that first story, that script. But then that script ends up, you know, what is that, twenty years later or less, ends up being fifteen years later, kind of be like the the reboot in yeah. two thousand nine Star Trek movie. You know, so they get together. And they bring all these. They get Nimoy on board, and Nimoy's and they're trying to get and an because idea because
0: Nimoy had had success with f- three and four, yeah. and also as a director on things like you know, uh, uh Men Men a little baby, baby. and, and then and something else. He's,
2: he's he's there's a couple he movies comes, in his canon. You're like, well,
0: that linear, Leonard Nimoy director. He comes that? on as an executive producer, yeah,
2: and he comes up with, and he brings. He, he doesn't he go to. He's like, let's bring Nicholas Meyer. Well, he comes array. up
0: with an idea, yeah. Uh, he says it's the 25th anniversary, like we were saying with sci-fi and with Star Trek. Uh, he comes up with a way to kind of reflect things that are going on. And he goes to N- Nicholas Meyer, who had mentioned had written to and, had uh, had done had directed to written for Nicholas Meyer's kind of an interesting guy. He was he came into kind of uh, he got known because he wrote a novel. Uh, 1974, he wrote a Sherlock Holmes novel called The Seven Percent Solution, which was made into a movie that's actually pretty interesting. And I, would, I oddly enough, watched it recently. Oh, you did? Not in preparation for this; it was just on.
2: He's gone on to do a couple Star Trek. Uh, I'm sorry, Sherlock Holmes. what He calls them like pastiche, uh, pastiches, yeah. like fan, like you know, sa- properly sanctioned novels.
0: The most impressive thing about the movie, which he might have written the screenplay for, I'm not positive, but he definitely didn't direct the movie of the 7% solution is that, uh, Robert Duvall's in it. I think he plays Watson and he has an amazing English accent. Really? <laughs> and I was like, I was distracting. I'm like, Oh my God, it's Robert Duvall talking like with a very proper British accent. Yeah. It was very good. Uh and he does time after time. And then of course he does time after time, which, which is his first director, which right has here? come up a few times, uh, On this show. Yeah, in our (laughs) time-traveling escapades. It's a film that Deanna and I have fondness for.
2: David Warner's in it as Jack the Ripper. And that plot, basically, just as we're talking about it, is that H.G. Wells... um, uh, is it H.G. Wells in Time Machine? What's yeah, his name yeah. in the Time Machine? it's oh. Wells. Yeah. Okay, he played by Malcolm McDowell. It's the Time Machine plot from H.G. Wells's Time Machine, but then it's kind of like an alternate reality where Jack the Ripper. What does he use the time machine to He's get? friends with Wells. Rip the Ripper, yeah. played by Jack Warner. Then he goes to He's like about the to future get caught or something.
1: Yeah, because uh, for like his like a, crimes, dinner party.
2: He ends up taking. (laughs) He takes the machine and he goes into the future to the future of 1979 or whatever it is. San Francisco. So then, (laughs) yeah, Malcolm McDowell follows him, and then yeah, all of a sudden from London they go to San Francisco, and then the the plot happens. I
0: think it's San Francisco. Yeah, it's it's definitely out of water.
2: Yeah, and then you have Corey Feldman's in that too, because I remember that's like his first role, because when. H.G. Wells comes out of the time machine. Mary, he's looking in the museum Mary at him.
0: steam virgin.
2: Yeah. And it's a fu- it's, so it's a fun movie. Yeah. It's a fun alternate plot. You know, you can see where he's going, you know, his evolution from Sherlock Holmes.
0: And then he directed a, TV, a very uh, infamous TV movie called uh, The Day
2: After. Is, did he direct The Day After? I think he directed with, The um, Day what <laughs> What's his name? Uh, bu- 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 oh, my God. It's, it's, uh, that's on the tip of my tongue. Isn't that... um. It's uh oh god Mark Twain it's uh, isn't it? uh Hal Holbrook is it is it either it's either Hal Holbrook or the guy from uh, once upon a time in in the west um, uh, oh god this is
0: everyone's hearing this live. Uh, yeah 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 Jason Robards Jason is it Jason Robards yeah. or Hal Steve Holbrook Go- it's Jason Robards okay. Steve Gutenberg uh, John Lithgow yes uh, Joe Beth Williams from poltergeist
2: it's a very controversial movie because what happens is it's it's like uh, it takes place in Iowa and I forget what the context is but a, a nuclear bomb goes off either it there's an accident at like a silo in America or uh, a freak accident like the Russians accidentally launch against us but the but the problem is then it's having to deal with you know you, you see like Jason robots driving to work and he sees the bomb go off all he's in traffic and you see like the you know so then the, you know, it's them having to deal with the fallout, the, the, the politics And it was all. a
0: huge TV event. Well, because it was scary. People were
2: like, and there was just- there was And a of big,
0: course, I think there were like schools that were like, you sh- your kids shouldn't watch this, which
2: made kids want to see it. Yeah. And then it just like completely it, it fucked up the, the Yeah, it fanned, <laughs> the fail, it fanned the fire of paranoia and already was happening with stop, you know, with the get under your desk. And so, yeah, it was one of these events where like everybody, t- it was like, you know, watching Michael Jackson's thriller. Yeah, it like, was like the ninth- most viewed television event
0: outside of a sporting event in, yeah. the, in the history of television. And it knocked the like Night the Stalker out. out <laughs> until like
2: 1983. You yeah, know, which is like, huge. You know, when's Miracle happened? I'm sure that was big, you know. Yes. Uh, the ice, the Russians against well, that, the yeah, hockey. Yeah, well, that, but that
0: was a sporting
2: event. That's uh, so, what I mean, but I am I'm, yeah. I'm bitcher. that was, you know. So yeah, so he, he directed that. I didn't know he directed that. Yeah, movie, so. Uh, and the funny thing when
0: he comes on to two is he's not a Star Trek fan
2: which is sometimes the best way. Yeah, you know, you, we, you and I used to have a a, a person we talked to. Remember that was the idea was that he wasn't a Bond fan, and yeah. We wanted him to just write a Bond movie because we he'd had, never we, seen. We
0: went to film school with somebody, and I, of course, Dion and I are, are James Bond fans, and this kid had never seen a James Bond movie. Yeah, but it was like a smart, well-read kid, yeah, and a, a well-read guy. And, and did he uh, had he,
2: had he had read any Ian Fleming? And no? I
0: said what I said. Oh, you know what you do is I I said. Go read the Ian Fleming books. <laughs> read them all. <laughs> yeah, read all the Ian Fleming books, and then let's write a script. And you write it, and you write a script with the only frame of reference of James Bond being the Ian Fleming books. Yeah, of course that never happened. We never did that. You had an opening sequence <laughs> in the Grand Central Yard, <laughs> and of course, I wanted to have my big thing was I wanted Sean Connery to play the villain.
2: Yeah. That was a Come comeback. Matter. Which they <laughs> stole from you and they kind of did that in the Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know, uh, but, where he's uh, really the kill.
2: Not, not the Avengers, the Marvel Avengers, the old British Avengers. But series. so, uh,
0: Nicholas Meyer comes on and kind of, they decide that he, they screen all the episodes of the show for him because he was never really a fan.
2: And then, Then they make him watch all five, uh, no, I'm sorry, they make, I'm, I'm thinking of when he comes on to do six. No, yeah, no. so he does, th- but to do two. And yeah. That's, and s- that's
0: how Khan comes back. Yeah. because they decide that they're gonna kind of reference one of the old TV episodes and isn't
2: the same how they got Robert Wise he wasn't necessarily a Star Trek fan he was just a really big director and they get him for the first movie yeah I mean, Robert Wise had done The Sound of Music West Side Story
0: The Haunting yeah he, he a, was like
2: the editor on Citizen Kane yeah King. <laughs> he had a great very prophetic career so they're like oh we'll bring somebody in who knows their, sh- their shit so you know yeah. so they do the same thing here for, for Wrath of Khan and so uh, and forever, which wasn't titled Wrath of Khan yet and
0: forever Nicholas Meyer was has been intertwined he's one of the executive producers and creators of Star Trek yeah. Destiny Discovery and um, Star Trek Discovery which is the newer show that's on now on CBS on demand or whatever it's called uh, but his
2: original title for um, Ratha Khan was going to be the undiscovered country yeah but they didn't like that they didn't like that and it meant something completely different too
0: and also something that uh, I'm not sure who anybody else would be interested in this but Dan, you'll be interested in this <laughs> me <laughs> is that Nicholas Meyer one of the more recent things he did was that I think it was on the History Channel that two-part mini-series of
2: Houdini, the one with, um, with Adrian, Brody. Adrian Brody, which yeah, yeah he I, directed that. Oh, they stole our idea again. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a, that's an old joke between Blake and I, which we we uh, we sometimes do old jokes on the show that no one gets except us. So,
0: Nimoy has this idea for, for getting back a to Star Trek
2: Six, yeah, for six.
0: And I think the people at Paramount had at some point called Nicholas Meyer and were like, "You got any ideas for 6? He's like, "No." And then Nimoy goes and visits him like in Maine or something? No, in Cape Cod. Cape he's like in,
2: he's like in uh, Providence town, Cape Cod. They're, like, and they're walking along the beach, something very romantic.
0: And there's a little bit of uh, conjecture as to exactly how the story goes. But one thing we do know is that uh, Nimoy pitches him this idea of the idea that the Berlin
2: Wall, the wall comes down in space. Yeah. And then and this is the summer of 1990, and Meyer's like, that's a great freaking idea. How yeah. do we do it? <laughs> <laughs> I like it.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Nimoy says he came up with the idea of uh, only Nixon can go to China, could go to China. Meyer says, no, that was actually a line that I came up with after the ball got rolling with this idea of the ball coming down in space. And then they start to build a script that – you know, talks about that has all these things that we've just talked about with the USSR. We have like the Chernobyl event is represented in the explosion of that praxis. A praxis. Uh, we have that they try to cover it up. Yeah. We have
2: that uh, suddenly the, their 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 government or their economy is falling and they can't be falling because they've
0: in, because they've invested so much into military they don't have a, a budget to survive. Yeah. And so
2: they need to open up their doors. To
0: the Federation,
2: and it's a very interesting idea that I guess Le- Nimoy also takes credit on for. He's always says that for years, even I think maybe going back as the original series, he says that the Klingons were kind of the representative of of the Russians with the tension with the Soviets. Yeah, certainly in this movie. Uh, I mean, the the when they first appear on the series, we have our man Michael and Sarah, I think his name is, who is the voice from Doctor. Uh, Uh, Mr. Freeze Mr. Freeze you know and and they're kind of like the first representation of Klingons are almost like blackface where they're like dark and they're like they got mustaches and they're just like in pajamas we don't get the uh, vertebrae the 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 spinal vertebrae thing on their forehead until until, the first movie yeah you know there's a glimpse of some Klingons speaking a different language and stuff so and they there's another there's another episode with another guy who's very famous who who comes back on Deep Space Nine as a Klingon but so they're you know they kind of just it's almost like they look kind of like even Khan-ish, you know, Ricardo Montalban kind of. And sure that's the, so and then it doesn't get until uh, the first movie they they kind of make them look a little different. They kind of take a they give them like that spinal vertebrae on the forehead, and they kind of take away the Fu Manchu kind of like a goatee or whatever, and they give them more of a a look. And then they then it evolves. I think they they sh- and then three is where they really develop you know, in yeah, search for Spock. Yeah, you know, which is credited to, what's his face? James Doohan gives the first kind of, or is that, no, in one, James Doohan is the one who invents the lines that they say in one. Yeah. So then when they hit three, they bring a linguist in and the linguist and the people has, to has develop. to
0: incorporate what James Doohan yeah. already, already did. But yeah, so they bring in yeah. a, lingu- a linguist to kind of create the language so and, because there was a lot of, Dialogue, and it's become <laughs> something where people probably know. I have one. Yeah, I you, have a Cleon English a, dictionary that yeah. I
2: bought when I was like. 10. And it's in you know, it's been <laughs> registered at a Walden, as a, at a Walden Books. <laughs> God the bless wall. Walden Books. Yeah, it's registered now as a uh, you know as an official language, like in the government. Uh, you know, I don't know what you call that. Whatever they, they do that kind of a thing in. You know, it's it's a, it's designated. So they develop this whole kind of a language. People ought to speak it, and they develop all that other kind of more. You know, they're kind of like a tribe. They're almost you know they're very. It's a very warrior esque kind of like almost like you know, kind of a uh an honor, and you know, then so they develop this whole kind of, you know, about ritual. And then I think you start seeing that more on next generation when Michael Dorn, you know, starts developing sure, yeah. the idea and the plot, you know, arcs of like, the honor and loyalty. They rather die. like Vikings, they gotta die with like, you know, the sword in their hand or whatever. To die in battle is like the, the most honorable thing. Yeah, you know, that kind of so they're not just these brooding idiots who are, you know, very much, you know, uh, you know, for some, you know, whatever they're trying to represent on the show. So when you get to six, that the, then that's where they're like, oh, we'll have the Klingons be the, be the Soviet representatives. I've always liked the Kardashians. The, the I always say the Kim Kardashian, the Kardashians, <laughs> Kardashians, Kardashians. How they looked, they're crazy looking, and then their spaceship. You know how their spaceship's looking. Yeah. But I love the Klingon bird of prey. How that ship, looks. yeah, yeah. You know that's just so badass. Looking. And some,
0: and in the original series, some of the early representations of the Romulum ships were just. Recycled Klingon's <laughs> Birds of Prey Yeah And then their ship kind of becomes And then the rivalin ship in the original series Kind of then morphs to being Looking a lot like the Klingon Bird of Prey But minus like the and neck The tall neck Like that Mexican kind of
2: hat yeah. on. The, uh, so they, they come up with this story And it's c- the story is kind of like What we see in the movie Except they have an alternate opening Which I think would have been kind of cool If they had the budget and the budget. The, the idea is that they want to. What we all just said. The Federation f- is forced to, or, or also wants to help the Klingons out. So Spock, for either either because of his father or because of himself, has to get involved. And he has to again go find the crew. Who are now retired and i love that idea like they you know like Bringing sulu the back yeah together. you know sulu's driving a cab on some planet <laughs> and hates it you know um uhura's djing a radio show um i don't know what i forget what they say it's uh scotty's teaching classes at the academy while he's taking the bird of prey apart that they got from four they've taken it out of the bay of san francisco yeah so but then they realize that's that because you have to go to all these exotic locations each one requires a set they're, they're, the The budget's already been chopped in half from like fifty million they're going to drop it to like twenty five so right there you got to start cutting budgets and and then in this movie, you find out this is an example of extreme budget cuts, which and I, I don't think in any way is seen on film no no, I think you know it's you, you don't even notice it but they have to start doing restrictions so they they, they cut that opening you know and they just have the the opening we see where like they all come into the
0: but also one of the uh, it would have been I wonder how far they got with that because I know the only reason why George Takei came back for this one his demand was I have to have my own ship
2: oh that's true yeah so why because he was supposed to
0: get a promotion in five yeah that got cut out and that's I think one of the reasons why there's so much
2: tension between him and
0: Shatner (laughs) really in real life decay uh, being you know a, a early representation of a strong asian character on in the media and yeah. television
2: and stuff he took sulu very seriously and of course and was he i don't think he was was he um was he out of For better, lack of a better word Was he out of the closet At that time Was he No I know? don't think He came
0: out of the He didn't really come out Of the closet Until the, 10 years ago Maybe
2: Oh okay yeah You know so He's in a very controversial Episode of the Twilight Zone Which only aired once Yeah It's like you know You can get it on DVD You've seen now, that one oh Yeah But, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: but uh, So he took the, the He took Sulu Very seriously And he always felt that Sulu should be Going up the ranks it <laughs> wasn't
2: It's Kind of a thing I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you But during the show Like Sulu had a bigger presence But then When they brought Chekhov Well they brought Chekhov in Because They brought uh,
0: Walter Koenig in Because J- uh, Davy Jones Because Well one Because They, they needed, wanted somebody A Davy Jones Esque You know Person Because f- the monkeys Were so big
2: Yeah And he was dreamy Davy but, Jones
0: But uh, Su- uh, <clears throat> George Takei Oh, he was doing conflict, right? Contract. He he was doing the Green Berets with John Wayne. Yes, and so he was not around for the first the shooting of the uh, first bunch of episodes of season two. So they wanted to bring in obviously like a younger character, and then uh, who I think was going to be a much smaller role, but because Takeda wasn't there, they gave all of Takeda's lines to Walter Koenig to say because Takeda was off finishing.
2: production and uh, i guess um we'd be remiss if we didn't mention also that he's a russian yeah. <laughs> so so it's interesting in the 60s you have a russian come on in season two as like in yeah, i don't know he's not an ensign but he's a yeah. whatever his 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 um Navigate, he's Cadet, in the navigation, yeah, yeah. But, so uh, that's also uh, after we've already added about you know having an African American, you know, a <coughs> minority or whatever, or the, a, a Japanese person. You have a Russian on board, so it's it's a whole bunch of everybody. And so when s-
0: when the character of Sulu didn't get his promotion in five, he. Decay was very upset about it. And yeah. so when Six came around, he used the leverage of having Sulubi in the movie to be like, I'll come on, but I have to have,
2: i captain of my own ship. And I think that's great because when it, when it starts off and you have him, he's drinking tea and it, and it seems like his ship, the Excelsior, is very much like a, you know, they're testing, he's like, it's like riveting. He's testing like biology, and, <laughs> you know, microorganisms <laughs> on some,
0: you know. Well, and, it's funny, uh, they're they're logging spatial uh, gas gas. Planetary Gas Anomalies or something yeah, um, Which plays into the end of the movie Which uh, I want to talk about Because there are certain things about this movie As much as I love it That I think are questionable I do. I plot, have the same plot, plot wise. Wise. Yeah. Uh, And it's funny Because there was a period of time there Where uh, George Takei was on the Howard Stern Show a lot yes. like, within the last 10 years Or whenever he came over to Sirius And they used to sometimes bust his chops About Stern came to Sirius yeah, when Howard Stern went to Sirius Satellite Radio. Uh, and they used to bust his chops that, like, he negotiated. he nego- By demanding his own ship, he had negotiated himself right off the bridge of the Enterprise, which was where all the action was. It's true. But if I recall correctly, Takei's point was, that like, but I got paid the same amount of money. Drove. For less work. Yeah. <laughs> so in a way it was also kind of a not good a good business boy that he made the same amount of money, he just had to work less because he really has probably shot all the stuff on the Excelsior in one day. Yeah. And then there's just that one scene at the end of the movie when they beam down to the conference oh yeah that's like the
2: only times you see Sulos and so. he's is he not he's not in that last <laughs> he's not on the deck and th- the bridge on the last scene no because right? uh, they said goodbye yeah and then he goes and
0: McCoy's oh, yeah. like that's a big ship not as big as our captain I <laughs> think <laughs>
2: that <Scott>. fucking <laughs> shit <shape. laughs> Scotty's there and then I think people know that James Dewan isn't really Scottish no you know he's 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 American he's a, he's a we've posted it before a couple years ago on our site on our Facebook page but he's like a very big decorated World War II vet. I forget what the details are, but he was in the D-Day invasion and all like some kind of crazy shit and was wounded, you know. Uh, but he was also, he was a character actor then who, who got, uh, he was very good with voices, so they gave him a Scottish accent on the show.
0: Well, I think there was like, they wanted him to play the an engineer the, uh, the role of the engineer, and for some reason, and I don't know the history of it, but he says, well, if he's going to be an engineer, then he's got to be Scottish. Yeah. And, like, really? and he's like, really? He's <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, I guess th- there's a lot of great engineers that were Scottish. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I'm a, uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm ignorant to, like, what that lineage is. <laughs> yeah.
2: So he does that. And so he invented
0: kind of, like, the Scottish accent for Mr. And for Montgomery
2: Scott. Do you know his... um I used to know what his swear is. do you know what his Scottish swear is that he 'd say he says something when hes when he gets drunk or when he 's pissed I don't and I forget there's a it 's a, it's a line a- anybody out there tweet us with what with, what with, with scotty 's when he 's swearing he says some sort of like and you know, like blabber and blabberskites or something he says something, but then in the seventies uh he ends up when they do the cartoon show, he ends up doing a lot, yeah, of, the voices, a lot of the voices you know because he 's very good at voices. then when we just said hit, when you hit seventy nine the first show i don 't know what what the what the story behind it was, but they had him, he's the one who came up with the Klingon lines. You know, <laughs> you know the, the stuff that those Klingons say uh, in that little scene in, in the uh, motion picture. So, uh, by six, you have them all coming back together. Uh, Spock brings them all, and then... Um, Michelle uh, Nichols too. I mean, you know, she had a very great past. She's in a, in a, a couple uh, great films uh, earlier on, and then she's in a great black exploitation. She has a little career there, which is completely different from scenery her. She's slapping bitches around, and <laughs> some you know, some hoes around, and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but gorgeous.
0: So s- but with six, what's interesting? You know, one of the great things about the plot of six, the dramatic plot of six, yeah, where the drama and the conflict comes from, it's the exact thing. That we were talking about earlier, that Roddenberry hated, and that like even you know Shatner says he had a problem with, which is
2: this idea of some kind of bigotry, this feeling
0: of uh, not wanting to deal with the Klingons,
2: and it's something you hadn't seen before. You don't get ever get that in any of the other movies of the show, certainly. And I could see,
0: uh, sure, the Klingons were always an
2: enemy of the Federation, yeah. and then shit gets crazy. Spoiler alert: In three, they kill. Uh, Kirk's son, David, yeah. You know, so then you could... Al- already, you see the, uh, the animus, he, he gets builds up because of all. Well, he hates these people. So there is a... I don't... I'm not uh, learned enough to, to, to... I'd love to hear the debate of two people who were pro and against of would Kirk's character, James T. Kirk, be able... Would he be this bigoted person by this point or would he be, you know, the person just growing older? He's the young idealistic person from the series sure. and then he evolves into this person because when you get to six um, and we also have uh, Brock Peters in here who comes back who was in Star Trek Four. Uh, the whale movie <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the, the, the subtitle. <laughs> the, the one whale with movie. the whales. The one with the whales. He comes back and he's playing. Um, I forget, he's Cartwright, maybe in yeah, this. Yeah, it's Cartwright. I don't uh, know if it's General or Admiral
1: Cartwright.
2: And he, we, we, he was, we brought him up. He was on the Star Trek radio, uh, I'm sorry, the Star Wars radio play playing Darth Vader, uh, when we did Star
0: Ad- Wars. Admiral Cartwright.
1: Admiral yeah. Cartwright. Uh, and he's
2: great. And he's
0: fr- in, uh, I forget his name's character's name. I haven't seen it or read the book in so long. Uh but he's in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. The movie. Yeah, he's the person uh, who's wrongly uh, accused the, of and murder and he's the one that Gregory Peck def- def- has to go after is defending. And so it kind of it hits home that his character is also one of the more prejudiced characters because he's, you know, known by uh, especially an older audience. Uh, a Star Trek audience possibly for being such a big part uh, being in such a movie that's so important yeah to uh, the idea of of uh, you know the civil rights and stuff like that
2: and he also he I think he had a big uh, aside from his personal uh, feelings on the on everything he is um, yeah, you know, he was very part, I think, of the civil rights movement and stuff like that. So he has this issue. We also brought him up on the Spider-Man episode last year because he was the voice of Kingpin on the eight and the 90s TV show. Uh, which we touched upon. So Brock has been on a couple of times. He slept over a couple of times, <laughs> but his issue, he had a problem with these lines and it wasn't a problem. Like he didn't agree well, with they, them. Well, they have a conference. Yeah. Where, for the high brass. Yeah. You know, for the, the senior members. And this is, this is the, 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 the scene that we needed. We we got rid of the whole beginning of them all getting reunited. And we just see them all come in. Like they're called by Spock and the federation to come in. And then we, Hey, everyone's back together. They sit around this big board. room like, well, Where's Spock? Yeah. There and he walks out and he starts he starts debriefing in Praxis. So the beginning of the movie is that we had this big we said the big, there's this big explosion that is very famous because that's the first time of something explodes that way and they've reused that on like Star Wars they reuse yeah that, on that other kind time. of ring yeah of of the explosion and then they they wanted almost like the Poseidon adventure have an effect and it's very much this was another nautical thing for me I was getting more. Uh, th- for me, themes of submarining and, and Submariner kind of stuff was the idea of, you know, riding the wave in, you know, all that. Or, like, when they're listening for stuff near the end, you know, the mm-hmm. people know, like, they run silent, run deadly stuff where you have to be quiet when you're in a sh- uh, sub because you the really good ears can hear the other, you know, you need silent propellers and all that kind of thing. So, um, when we come to this debriefing meeting, uh, and Spock lays it on a table like the you know like we've said the Russian economy is so militaristic we can't, you know like <laughs> so that they ke- they need help and they they don't first they didn't ask for it and then uh, Chancellor Gorkin, who's played by um, uh, uh, David Warner, he's asking for help and he wants a meeting. So all of a sudden people are like, what the fuck? Fuck! And then Brock Peters, who is uh, Cart- Admiral Cartwright, is the first person to say his little speech like, you know, fuck those people. But but it's. He has this big issue with it because it's so offens, you know, to him it's so offensive to have these feelings. But it's not like he's not the understanding actor. the actor. Yeah,
0: but has uh, has problem delivering these lines. Yeah, he
2: understands where the the lines are coming from. He doesn't disagree that they should be shouldn't be said. He just has an issue saying them because of you know uh, of his personal feelings. Now,
0: uh, I think this might be a good place to uh, mention the book a little bit because yes. the beginning of the book is probably the most altered. Okay. Not altered, but added to. Uh, and I think, you know, like I said, I don't know if it's from an earlier draft or whatever, maybe it was invented by... But it it it, pres- it, it creates a, an interesting uh, story a- and adds to the movie. I think a lot adds a lot to
2: the movie that exists when, when you read it. That's it, why we like to bring them in, all these other these, these side things. And like I said, it's... Add a little more info. Yeah,
0: it adds more info, but you don't know where the source is coming from, so whether it's relevant or I don't know. Yeah. But
2: Now I'm I, seeing why we bring him to the show. Well, why We,
0: we talk find about it, it interesting, yeah. so we
1: talk about
0: <laughs> it. Now the movie the book opens with like a like a preface or like a prelude where Kirk he goes someplace and we find out that Carol Marcus, the mother of David from who, Rathacon and whose uh, David was Kirk's son so the mother of his son is like in critical condition uh, possibly going to die in like a hospital and it's because she wa- she's a scientist that she was in 2 because they're the people that developed the Genesis project which she's plays a,
2: a big part in the plot of 3 uh, she's
0: Stationed on some planet doing some kind of scientific work, and the planet is attacked by Klingons.
2: And are they together at this point? Is it, are they living? Together or is that the the f- f- opening they dropped? The big budget opening that they dropped in the book. Are they together? Like they've resolved their? Yeah, it,
0: there's after we learn what happened, then there's a little bit of a flashback,
2: like uh, after his d- the kid's death, they kind of rekindled their in. in Kirk and... After David dies, Kirk
0: reaches out to her because he wants to tell her what happened, but she... Fucking Christopher Lloyd killed your son. <laughs> she won't answer any of his messages, his calls, his comms. Com
2: his beeper, lady. he's beeping her. And his his he's letters. letters. Her, yeah. his <laughs> letter, he's sending her letters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he ignores... She ignores him for years. It's like 10 years after. Six is like 10 years after three in the in the book. So finally... He's on leave, and he just goes to her house and knocks on the door, and they have a discussion. Uh, and she talks about, like, I never wanted to know you because I didn't want to lose him. She was afraid that he would go off to be a, ca- like, Starfleet. He would want to, you know, sail across the boys. the
2: boy. Universe. Yeah. Now, I, quickly pause. Did you... I don't remember correctly. In Wrath of Khan, it's a surprise that Kirk has the boy. Uh, He knows. He does know. But the audience doesn't know. Okay, so he knows he has a son. Yeah. Oh, I thought she... But she reveals... He doesn't know him. Okay. So it's a surprise that it's this guy, but he knew he had a son with him. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. He had... And I I think David
0: knows that his son was a captain, like Kirk, Kirk. but they didn't know each other. Yeah. Okay.
2: Gotcha. Uh, Fast forward to six. So now... So...
0: So that's Interesting.
2: But you're saying that this, this, this
0: yeah. Thing. So then there's this big scene this, in this preface where they have this discussion, and she's like, Well, what do you want? He's like, Well, I want to tell you w- what happened, and she's like, Well, do you want to tell what me what happened for you, or do you want to tell you what? And there's like, there's tension, and and she's leave, she's moving, you know, like everything's packed up in her apartment or her house or whatever, and yeah. so there's this scene, and he says, Well one thing you should know is that he, I was told by the Klingon cause there's in three, there's a Klingon female Klingon who's a scientist or something that's there helping find Spock and, and all that stuff. He says, well, I was told by her, I just wanted to let you know that I was told by her that he died saving her life and Spock's life. So like he was a hero in the end because of that interaction they end up rekindling a relationship. And so every, every time Kirk has leave, after that, they spend it together.
2: And... You, are you... Um, in, is it inferred that it's romantic? Or is yeah. It more, oh, it is And okay.
0: that once he retires in three months, that they, he, he'll move wherever she is and they'll be together. And, and he'll, she'll put him on a lease. <laughs> and so he's then come back and she's, he, there's a friend... And he's like, oh, he doesn't know the friend, but he knows of the friend because it's mentioned, and she tells him what happened. And she's like, we're just working, and then all of a sudden, thing we get fired on. And we look up, and we don't even know where it's coming from. We can't even see the ships. And Kirk's like, that's crazy, but she's, you know, it's in the midst of panic. I can understand why she would be confused. And... uh. And so now, you know, some people died. Carol's in critical condition. They're doing some kind of crazy stem cell it, no, treatment on her. He doesn't know if it's going to take for seven days. Is this, is this happening prior to
2: the practice expo-
0: explosion or post? I you
2: know In mean? the it's, timeline? It's,
0: pr- it's during because he gets a while he's there. He gets a communication to go to. He the He gets meeting. a call that says from Admiral Cartwright that says we're calling a meeting. We need you to come back.
2: Uh, this makes me want to read this book ASAP. And also, we should know that the <laughs> book became a bestseller. Like the that, and that's rare for a paper uh, for a novelization. But it became it, it hit the the bestseller list at um, Publishers Weekly uh, and mass market bestsellers. It was on a commercial success. It was on there. So so so, I, I, so I, I,
0: it adds to why? Kirk's prejudice. Yeah, which not only like. did they kill David. But they they attacked an unarmed scientific colony, and the woman he loves could die. Could die. Yeah. There's also a lot of talk of another attack. See, this is more. This is what I like because it gives you more <laughs> credence on why the jump. It gives you a little bit. Yeah. You know, gives oh, you a little more backstory. Yeah. There's also a lot. There's also a lot of talk of some other planet getting attacked. And though the Klingon Empire has said that th- these attacks were not sanctioned. Some kind of pirates or whatever. They're, we never, we never did it. Everybody knows that the Klingons
2: did it. So, and this is to—if you look at it logically or chronologically within the movie, of course—is that Praxis blows up, and these are happening uh, as like you know people like looting other planets to get. Are they're, I mean, they're just you know are, they're, are they just mindlessly attacking because they're pissed? You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. You would think, think since Praxis blew up that they're maybe trying to get yeah, supplies. maybe it's before. You know. Or maybe
0: they're just testing out the bird of prey.
2: Bird of prey that can that high. can fire while
0: clerk while cloaked.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, which we learn later. This big <laughs> MacGuffin, which is fucking great. It is, so we'll, we'll talk to
0: that as, know, in the Hitchcock so MacGuffin.
2: There's all this other stuff
0: that is playing in the book. The novelization plays so much more into like the prejudice.
2: Yeah, sets the table as because like we're
0: getting say. everybody's internal thoughts about it. We're having everything's—it's fu- all fueled by the fact that there has been two attacks, which are breaking the Organian treaty, which is established. I said earlier that it references something in the show. Mm-hmm. The Organian treaty is something that go- goes all the way back to an episode of the original series. Uh, I forget the name of it, but the Organians are are somebody there, and there's Klingons. Um, Involved in that episode mm-hmm. too So it, it, there's a lot of talk of that the, It plays m- much All the prejudice plays much more Into the fact that um, The tension's getting ratcheted yeah, up uh, Errand of Mercy is the name of that episode From the original series So it's like it's playing on there's Not only are there just like The 70 years of tension with Klingons but there's all this recent Like tragedy that's going on because of the klingons. And for Kirk personally, there's this idea that the woman he loves is also attacked innocently
2: f- by klingons. And is on life support basically. Yeah,
0: who could not survive. Yeah. They don't who know. Not, yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't know if he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know until the end of the movie if it if the if took if the the treatment worked for her. I'm
2: going to write a note to myself <laughs> to ask you at the end ask at end of podcast so i could I, I wonder why they don't like why can't we have cartwright have a one-off line say like well they've attacked two fucking bases spock you know you yeah know what yeah i, mean? I but, don't know, you know like why I, I said i don't, don't know that if that that's in. an original it, you like know. i said
0: i don't know if it's in the original script or if it's something that that uh because i had J. M. dillard invented for the book
2: i had read that about in, in iterations if that was going to be something, in a, you know, to have Kirk have this back to give him the fuel more, because when you get into this, you can certainly see right off the bat where Roddenberry doesn't like this. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, the whole the whole point of the future was not that I think they're supposed to. The context is there's there's a huge World War three or four, and then they've gotten past that, and mm-hmm. then this is the reason why we don't need any more uh, f- currency. We don't need any more, you know, uh, everyone's accepted, and then also to the point where it's like. They're not even an army like
1: uh,
0: the the Federation was never meant to be a military. Exactly. It was it was to explore space. Yeah. So they ended up equipping equipping the
2: ships with with weaponry just in case for defense. Yeah. So so Roddenberry never looked at it being like that. So when Myers came on, Myers is trying to make it a little more nautical. He even cites, Well, at the very least, they're kind of like the Coast Guard. You know, whether they, 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 I mean, you look at them, they have ranks that are kind of like, you know, like, you know, and then they're out helping people and if shit goes wrong and then, and then they're policing some sort of borders or whatever, they have treaties. But, but yeah,
0: I mean, definitely. And it's definitely how the Klingons in the movie view
2: them. Yeah. You know,
0: uh, Chang or whatever <laughs> Palmer's plumber's character. Yeah, General Chang.
2: Yeah, y- you know. They, Very much. They, like their during-
0: discussions are about like one war to another. You know,
2: uh, uh, it's it's almost the oppression that they feel like uh, they've been experienced against, or if they really have. And it's
0: yeah. And I now that I've read the book, some of the dialogue
2: I don't remember.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm mixing. I don't know what's yeah. Which is in, but there's a lot of talk of that, like. Well, that's you know, all you've that sh- killed and like, but we've only killed in defense.
2: Yeah, Chet's all Chang shit. There's, Chang is there's like stuff in that. He's a very uh, three three dimensional character. And in the conference, Cartwright is a little even a little more
0: hard. Yeah, he's like, let's tariff the hell out of them, deplete their resources even more so that we can bring them to their knees.
2: Now, see, is it racist if I were to say in this day and age that like I kind of understand where they're coming from? Like I, you know, um, not that I agree with it, but in a, within military well, you know what i mean it's I like think, you could see why i think
0: that's the it, i think that's ultimately the issue or the goal that and they're why trying it, why i don't feel it's out of character it's because it's not because they're klingons yeah it's not because they're alien yeah it's because of a history of tension yeah and and war yeah that they feel this way it's not because they look the way they look yeah you know, but they, that
2: all could be negated with a line. They could be like, if if the Klingons say you're doing it because we're Klingon, and it's like, well, well.
0: But I think it's I, th- I think I think that's what I was saying earlier yeah. was like as a fan of star trek we have such a history with them that we realize that that's
2: the step isn't too foreign no yeah that thing. this yeah. is
0: not because kirk,
2: everybody has kirk his reaction doesn't hate them because they have crazy foreheads. yeah <laughs> he's had sex with uh, all kinds <laughs> of you know you know but it's like what you see scotty has a look of astonishment he looks at, like he looks at kirk i mean bones is like what the hell yeah. you know everybody there's a lot the room, of you know there's
0: a lot more discussion among them about detention and then Spock. And their prejudices Spock's. in the book. And uh, one of the interesting things about the book is that, um, and I won't go into it in great detail because there's really no reason to, but one of the things that tickle I, our, tickle I, our brim. I feel is so interesting about the way it's written, I feel like it's the book's really well written, Yeah, um, it's because you have so many characters, you have each of these moments, each of these scenes from ev- from. Somebody different's point of view Not that you have the same scene from several people's Point of view but like when they walk In to the conference ed, That's all from McCoy's point of view So it's all how McCoy's It
2: sounds very much like George R.R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones stuff where it's like yeah. it's just, You know the time lit, you know how you're handling The so characters each, and stuff
0: Each scene is they have She has to pick a point of view And so for each scene she picks like another True member's point of view so that All of that uh, conferences from McCoy's point of view, and that's until, very until Until they leave, and then it becomes from Kirk and Spock. Yeah. Know? And then when it's just Kirk and Spock, but it's all about like, uh, you know, f- personal feelings about like the people in charge. About like, oh, at least this guy is gonna. What he likes about the guy who opens the conference is that like he's to the point. And then the next line is the guy says, "I'm not going to beat around the bush or whatever." I'm going <laughs> to, you know, please. Yeah. It's playing off of that. There's a lot of talk about these attacks that have happened uh, this clean attacks that have happened and so like I said the Brock uh, and it
2: doesn't it doesn't sound like there's any rhyme or reason behind these attacks it's not like they no can they justify don't know it. you know they they're don't like all oh, they're looking for scraps because and they're the, trying to survive and the,
0: and the Brock Peters like I said he's a little more hard-nosed he said like I said he has a line that's like you know terrible yeah. you know like that's really Really fuck them. <laughs> and, yeah, then, yeah. and
2: then they'll. Then we can do whatever we want to them. And this is a position Spock is put under because of his father is the one. Is is he the ambassador? Imbi- so fa- Spock's kind of forced to be put in this position to try to make yeah, this deal his happen. His father,
0: Sarek, is like a, is the is the Vulcan ambassador and like a diplomat. Yeah,
2: and so it was his father that
0: asked him to go and negotiate with the uh, Klingons personally, because Gorkin, uh, who and that's a whole other thing. I, uh, you should read the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think you'll really enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. Well, what, what, what about Gorkin? There's But, but like the scene with Spock and Kirk, there's stuff there. Uh, like I said, you get the instant reaction that Chatner wanted to do when he says the line, let's kill them. So what happens is die.
2: Spock says, you know, we're going to do this, and then I've I've volunteered ca- Captain Kirk, Admiral Kirk, or what is he, a captain now, because he's been demoted. And, yeah. you know, So he's going to go with us, and, and Kirk's like... He's
0: volunteered the Enterprise to be the one that's going to escort the Klingon Chancellor from Klingon Space Patriots to
2: zone. Earth. Yeah. And uh, Kirk's like, you have? And then at the end of the meeting, everyone leaves, and it's funny because people aren't even out the door, and Kirk's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know. And, and Kirk has a good
0: point. He's like, "Do you?" He's like, "You realize like we're due to retire in three months?" Yeah, which I got a pension coming to me. <laughs> but it's like, you know, maybe it's more emphasized in the novelization. His point is that, like, you know, like in those cop movies. Like I'm, a good- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like you're putting everybody in danger. Yeah. Like we've got, we've done our bid for, 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 for,
2: for, for and uh,
0: country. For, yeah. And his point is that like, we might not survive this.
2: Yeah. You know, like. You're, you're really fucking this over, <laughs> you know And then Spock has that line Where the famous line Where only Nixon can go to China Which means Nixon was the really hard nose At the time When that was the China had never been opened up before And in, in this is like what 1970, 1971 I think So Nixon uh, they sent Nixon there they, be- in '72. They sent Nixon, and that, that's because of how much Henry Kissinger is doing his his uh, his negotiations, and that's a huge thing. Because if he had sent like a liberal, they would say that you know they'd be placating to. There
0: was fear that people would ref- they would be. Everybody would think that America was being soft on China. But 100%. if we sent Nixon, who was known to be staunchly yeah. anti-communist,
2: yeah. nobody... He was like kind of criticism-proof. And it's funny because you talk to scholars who were presidential scholars. If you take off the table the whole Watergate affair that got him to not impeach but he'd resign... He could have been remembered in such a different way because he opened the whole uh, Eastern world in that way. Because of this, he did a lot of good things at the time. He was one of the people who was stopping the Vietnam War from escalating and stuff and grinding down. So it's funny when, it, even when I, I even got that when I was little. Yeah, you know that that there's an old Vulcan proverb: "Only Nixon can go to China." That's a big laugh. You know what I mean? It's yeah. funny because recently. Um, nowadays is the whole i i came up with the joking thing only trump can go to north korea and i thought i was smart then i started talking to other people like oh no i you know i've heard other people have come up with that i was like oh i'm not as smart as i thought i was (laughs) you know that i was going to be like original so now you have this whole tension between spock and kirk because and then what you just said is there's now william shatner the actor already has a problem with the perceived bigotry that kirk has because he doesn't believe his character would react that way would say let them
0: yeah die. so he was like of course anybody would say So anyf- there's a
2: line there yeah that says you know, he says
0: kirk spock's like but they're going to if we don't help
2: them they're going to die yeah and then kirk immediately says well let them die and then he says i don't think my character would say that and he gets nicholas meyer the director and he says listen i promise
0: you- anybody would say anything out of impulse yeah but it doesn't mean that they mean it
2: yeah you know and Kirk says or Shatner gives the example you you could tell somebody to go to hell and then you're like oh i didn't mean that it was just out of anger or whatever so he wants to uh have that scene and that moment play that way to show that it's just a, it's a he blurts something out he doesn't mean and he he only makes a deal with Nicholas Meyer on the condition that they will include a right after he says it a reaction he's like you know he, he says, no 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 i don't mean that you know like he puts his hands up like that yeah, was yeah. that i didn't mean to say that so Mick, nicholas meyer agrees they shoot the scene but then they cut that yeah and know? rightfully so I think. yeah i mean maybe there would have been a, another have way have you seen the outtakes yeah yeah and in, in the outtake they show isn't that was like take one i think he needed another two takes yeah you know, or, two.
0: or like a less or a more <clears throat> subtle
2: yeah or like just like a look of like what did I say? Yeah, that's not me. Not so much of a physical. Or Spock like put his uh, put his like hands on his hips and be like But like in the book, Spock's like So uh, what happens in the book? So you say he gets he, well, says, he says the says line. That there's
0: that discussion and he says it, but then, you know, Kirk even Kirk is surprised in his in her, in his internal monologue that he said it. And Fuck. that he didn't really mean it. And Spock's like had he not known the captain better, he might have thought that he meant he meant it.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. So there's some Ooh, that's, that's, that's
0: some tough words,
2: <laughs> right there from from Spock.
0: Yeah, like had he had he not known the captain better and not known like the the fact that his that his son had been killed by Klingons, he might have thought that
2: the that the captain
0: meant it. There's that kind of stuff.
2: Um, but I think to the to the detriment or to the uh, credit of Meyer and Nimoy and the other person who helped write the uh, the story, um, Mark Rosen, Mark Rosenthal, maybe or is it. Uh, no I'm sorry Denny Martin Flynn
0: yeah Denny Martin Flynn
2: Uh, that they're consisted around the board where they have Scotty later so and then we we can get into this later but there's two versions of the movie there was a theatrical release movie then when we get the the VHS and Dick release they did a slightly director's cut of the movie and in that movie you have a scene where like even uh, um, Scotty's like maybe that Klingon bitch killed her father you know and it's like you could tell everybody even there was a scene with a horror is gonna be saying like oh look who's coming to dinner and that was going to be a p- and she couldn't say that she's like that's you well, know something
0: there was some life said that there was some line where it was like yeah but would you
1: would Oh, you
2: after that after that yeah. where he goes he goes he says i bet you that scotty says i bet you that klingon bitch killed their father and then uh supposedly uh a horror was going to say well would you would you marry one of them? or uh, something Would like you that? want your daughter to marry
0: one of them or something like yeah. that? Which is just a bad line. Yeah, yeah. So, n- so, so Nichelle Nicholson, <laughs> rightfully
2: so, is like, I ain't going to say that. But then there's another scene when, when they're about, when they're setting up, we're jumping ahead. But then she had a line when they they turn off the communications with, with uh, you know, the in preparation to have the Klingons come aboard. Uh, the line is, oh, guess who's coming to dinner, which is a laugh. It's, which
0: Chekhov ends up
2: saying. Yeah, because she refused to say it, which is a throwback to this... Uh, the Sydney Poitier movie with maybe Spencer Tracy with yeah. uh, the parent and maybe it's a Catherine Hepburn. I think it's Pat Byrne and Tracy. Yeah. yeah. As the parents. And then the uh, titled guess who's coming to dinner. So she refused to say that. So my broader point is, although I've gone on too long is I like that. There's a consistency that everybody, you know, is, is, is saying, but it's, it's hard then to then, you know how we were, you, when you make the comparisons of the, the rush, the Klingons as Russians, then it's hard to compare this. You can't, it's, I think it's simplistic. It's for plot's sake to make them bigoted. It, it makes for a better story because yeah, in real life, Lincoln, Reagan, dramatic. these people weren't bigots. But it makes, it's, it's, it simplifies everything and it makes it more dramatic. But there
0: was, there certainly was a prejudice. Of course. Against Russians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oddly enough, this coincided unintentionally with a project that I'm working on. Uh, at work, not a personal project that has to do with Yakov Smirnov, the yeah. Russian comedian from the 80s, Huge. Who, was, who was popular yeah. in the 80s. And so learning about a lot about his story and knowing like why he became so popular was because of this Russian tension and these preconceptions of what America had about Russia. Um, so there, there certainly was, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a pre, There was definitely preconceptions and prejudice of um, what Americans thought of Russia, for sure. Yeah, um, and I'm sure it was... Not, maybe not in, in a presidential sense, who knows,
2: but... Uh, and I'm sure it was, uh, you know, the other side, they probably had the same oh, things as yeah, us. Oh, of course, yeah. So Roddenberry automatic, automatically has this huge... He's like, this isn't what it's about, and they have this huge fucking argument, and yeah, and yeah. and then at the time, Roddenberry, as I said earlier in the in in the our discussion, is that Roddenberry has been gradually forced out of Next Generation for whatever reason. They think he's doing, he's going to maybe he's he he's jumped the shark a little bit, and his I so a lot of people talk about the first couple seasons of Generation, Next Generation. I always say
0: it doesn't get good until Beverly Crusher comes back.
2: Yeah, and that's what, season three?
0: <laughs> season three or four. I and that's... The woman who plays Beverly Crusher, who we've talked about on the Labyrinth episode. Yes. Uh, well, her name escapes me. Um, she leaves Mac- and they get G- another... McFadden. Uh, Gates McFadden. And then they get another doctor who was played by a woman that has in a couple of episodes of the original series. Yeah, and
2: she's very salty, very like McCoy... And it's, it, to me, I like her, but it's just a weird because I love Gates McFadden so much. And the reason why we brought her up in the Labyrinth episode because of for some unweird, I mean, unweird because we didn't know it. She was like one of the dance choreographers. She
0: choreographed the dance between Jennifer Connelly
2: and, and uh, David, Bowie. David Bowie. And, and, and yeah. if you want to go hear about that, go listen to our uh, Labyrinth podcast, which we just brought up two weeks ago uh, as well. Uh, Labyrinth uh, because of the Bob, the bachelor and the Bobby soccer. Soxer. I said Soxer. it wrong again. Yeah. Soxer. her, uh, so because she, she's so good looking and she's, you know, she. <laughs> no, I mean the first in the first series. Yeah, you know. know. So it's, a, it's 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 a, it's a, a tangent. A, that's, yeah, that's why I'm laughing. So it's very weird to have, and then so by season three, when she comes back, it's very good. Riker gets a beard. So, and I don't know if that's the time when Roddenberry is is kind of being forced out. So at this time, here he's he he's in ill health around the time this movie's being made coming out. He, you know, he, he's, he's in a wheelchair. So he's having arguments with them and he, he's going to them. Like I, he, he's going line by line in the script saying what he doesn't like about it. And the producers, they're like holding Nicholas Meyer and people like digging their heels and like, no, we're not changing stuff. And, and then it gets to the point here where when the movie's done, they show him like a, either a rough cut or a near final cut and there's two different schools of thoughts on this where like uh, some people say he gave their blessing and he was fine he loved it and then he dies 48 hours later but then if you take the I think the Leonard Nimoy and maybe the Shatner bios they say there was a huge fight afterward and he his his lawyers had tons of demands uh, and he got into this big big fight with, with uh, Nicholas Meyer about the film he didn't like it he wanted all this shit cut Nicholas Meyer's like you know no we're not cutting whatever and then he dies 48 hours later so who knows what really happened Yeah. but it gets down to this, this whole subplot of the bigotry you know and I don't know so this is the question you I mean I never had a problem with it while I was watching the movie yeah. but then now all this research doing this cast, I mean, th- it, does it seem like a bridge too far for, for all these characters to suddenly... I don't think so. Yeah.
0: I, I never read it that way. It never bothered me. I never, like I said, I never... I don't think it is, and I've never thought of it as being racial, for the lack of a better term. Yeah. Like I said it had to do with very real tension.
2: Of two war... Yeah, war... war you know. Like clashing, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, it's a, it's like saying... You know, somebody's of that we were prejudiced against Nazi Germany. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> if, which is understandable, you know. So I, I never read it as being so m- much uh, bigotry in the in the traditional sense. That yeah, I think the, you, you hate know, them because of their
2: race or the whatever. It's more of it what always they kind of made sense you.
0: to me, and uh, obviously from a dramatic.
2: And yeah, it makes standpoint. A far better story. It makes a much better
0: con. Makes for much better conflict.
2: As well as knowing that Kirk. So then I wonder if do they give him the line? Um, I never trusted as Never will. I I I, I yeah, can never he says it. Uh, but do they give him that line? I wonder in the movie to emphasize all that backstory that we've cut sure, out.
0: Maybe, maybe. Yeah. There's also much more with Valeris, the Kim Cattrall character in so the novelization. What's the Gorkon bit you said?
2: The Gork. Well, th- the interesting. Chancellor t- Gorkon, the, the Klingon The interesting head.
0: thing about the novelization is one of the many. I always say everything. I always say everything's the interesting thing. I say the same thing. Um, but one of the things I like about the novelization is that we get more of the Klingon side. Oh. Uh-huh. After the dinner. After the the dinner and the Klingons go back before shit goes down. Before the shit goes down. Again, we're assuming you've seen this movie. Yeah. Uh, Which uh, may
2: be an assumption on our part. <laughs> maybe people haven't. And if you haven't, recommend it. It's yeah. good. Um, A and nutshell r- is, And we're going to
0: spoil the crap out of it. Yeah, the so. nutshell
2: is, and they all get on the ship. They go out, and they meet at the neutral zone. And then it's kind of like two ships in the middle of the sea. The Klingons come. They show up. And then they're like, come on aboard. We'll have dinner. Kirk says, come on, have dinner. Yeah. And, and, and David Wanda was like, I was just thinking that, because he's played by James Mason on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I would love to Yeah, hello, Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Nemo when they
0: come on the ship when the Klingons come on the ship And you know when they leave their transporter room, and then we have those two cadets be like oh Did you smell them? Yeah, blah blah, blah. Uh, Only the high models speak and then they run into Valeris, and she's like don't you guys have work work to do? do, Yeah The Klingons hear them and there's other instances of that so when they get it's almost like perceived racism so when they get back on the ship uh his daughter, Gorkon and his daughter are having they're ha- they're sitting and the daughter's like, I had no idea they hated us so much and Gorkon's like, Well you know
2: Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of
0: understandable. And but the So there's there's that. They hear it, you know, and so uh, you know, Gorkon's last line at dinner is uh well, it seems like we have a far, a long way to go. Yeah, and he goes to Kirk. You know, if we're gonna have peace, he says to Kirk, "You don't trust me, do you?" Yeah. Gr- and this is a gr- this
2: is when they're leaving, right uh, before he gets back onto the transporter yeah,
0: pod, and uh, and then they they go back to the ship.
2: And yeah, his line is, uh, you know, if we are, if we are, you, you don't trust me, do you, and, then he, and what is it, Kirk's like, well, you know, what do you expect? <laughs> and then <he's, laughs> he said... Why should I? Yeah, and he says, well, you know, if, if we are to see a change, our generation's going to be the, the hardest. To d-. There's such good, so many good lines in this movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's so true because it's always the old guard who have the biggest problem than newer generations can, you know, the old people who you're stuck in your ways, you know. And so... So prophetic. In the scene between
0: gorkon and his daughter in the in the novelization they basically have a discussion and gorkon knows it plays up more that gorkon is a very progressive yeah klingon yeah and it has that to be. and that he is in the minority yeah and that there's this big military sanction of the klingon uh, race of their government and stuff that is not for
2: this represented by uh, general klang chang
0: yeah, but Chang's also has, you know, he, we don't know that
2: about yeah. Chang uh,
0: until later in the movie because he he's supposedly knight. has pledged allegiance to Gorkon. So there's this discussion in Gorkon, and so that stuff comes out, and it's revealed that Gorkon is, and there's all this stuff of, like, Gorkon's more well-spoken than they ever thought he would be in terms of Klingons. Like, he's not a typical, he's not the kind of Klingon they've ever dealt with before. And so there's the scene with Gorkon and his daughter. And they basically, Gorkon says, like, not because of the Federation, but he says, it's very likely that I'm not going to survive this. Knowing that he could be assassinated.
2: Very Lincoln-esque.
0: So he says to his daughter, I need you to promise me that if I don't make it through this... Then you will take my place, and then you'll carry forth.
2: And this is basically what he ends up saying to Kirk on his his last line. Yeah, to like Kirk don't let he it end this way. Yeah, uh,
0: but he says it to her, and when she's on his deathbed, when he's like dying, I think she says to him, "Like I'll do it." You know, like she doesn't answer right away because she's skeptical. She doesn't know if it can go through after seeing the way the fed- the people on the on the
2: Enterprise reacted to them. Oh, how yeah, hateful they were.
0: And so she doesn't know if it's the right thing to do. But Gorkon is saying, like, this is the only way that we're going to survive. And I'm probably not going to live to see this happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I need you to promise me that this is that you will do everything you can to make it happen. And, that's, and it's a really good. It's a good scene. And I understand why it's not in the movie, because it takes us away from the crew of the Enterprise and it would add more time. But in a way, I feel like there's a lot of the stuff that's in the novelization that I think would make what happens in the movie so much richer. Yeah,
2: and po- like powerful or or even tragic. I yeah. mean, that has shades of Martin Luther King's last speech. You know, right before he dies, he has that really famous speech where he's like, you know, I've seen the mountaintop. I may not be there with you. To, I mean, I might not be there when you get to it. But you know, I, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Like that whole build yeah. up, and because he almost was. I, I forget if it's a couple hours when he, in Memphis when he goes back to the Lorraine Hotel when he's a motel when he's murdered. So it's, that's very much shades of that. And um, Gorkin they modeled off of uh, have him have kind of a Lincoln kind of a, a look.
0: They like give him the beard without the mustache. Yeah,
2: you know, and it's and it's also very much like I was getting almost like you like the. The, like in the '60s show, like the 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 Klingons almost replaced like the Indians, like the Indians versus cowboys that you had in the '40s and '50s. That sure. tension, so you know, like you know, fighting back and forth. And I always, I almost kind of felt like that when they were at dinner. It was like almost like like Native Americans, you know, talking to the settlers and having those kind of like you know, we don't know their culture. You well, know, those so kinda... much
0: like you said, the lines, so many good lines. Uh, David Warner, lo- both Dion and I love yeah. David Warner. Love him. <laughs> Big David Warner fans from way back. Uh, to From Straw Dogs to Omen to, you know, so many things to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the
2: Ooze. Um, <laughs> Time Bandits, Secret of the Ooze, uh, Titanic. But... Uh, voice over work. So, he's so good. And... His yeah, big- you know, his voice. You know what I mean? Like, when you get him in, he's... um What's his face on the animated series? He's... Uh, um you know the guy uh, uh Raja ghoul oh
0: yeah, yeah you know what
2: i mean so it's like he's i've always i almost i fell in love with him just because he has such a proper oh, sure. amazing james mason
0: of like him reading poe
2: yeah <laughs> you know so it's like he has this and he's tron he's in tron you know he's like he's got such a presence and you know he might
0: even be in star trek five
2: he is in star trek five he's, he's a different character at the end they meet so he's he he yeah, he's he's almost like it's almost like um, in the mouth of
0: madness. Isn't he the doc? He's the not the doctor, but he's some. He's, he's the yeah. guy who interviews
2: him right at the beginning. Yeah, he's comes, not comes, John, John Glover. He's the yeah. other. Yeah, uh, but he's got so he he shows up everywhere. He's so great.
0: It's interesting when you hear Nicholas Myers say that the direction he gave him was that like you're the one guy that sees clearly in a room full of people that are <laughs>
2: crazy. Yeah, you, and you kind of see that they're all kind of hung up. And I love like because there's it's such a great scene the, that dinner. There's scene. there's like t- in, my, in my mind there's like. The The first half of this movie, maybe to like Act 2, midway to Act 2, or maybe even Act 3 is like solid. Yeah. And then for me, when they get to... Uh, uh, well, you say
0: the transition from Act 2 has got to be the assassination, right? From Act 1 to Act
2: 2. Okay, then so then you're... Yeah, so then, then Act 2 through the courtroom scene to when they go to Rural Pente. When they get down to Rural Pente in the last back half of the movie, yeah. kind of like for me is like they're hurrying. You know, it's like, we got to get all this shit together, get our ducks in a row before because it's just got to wrap up soon because, you know, we got to make that bus, (laughs) you know? So it's like, you know, but it's set up so well where it's like, for me, it's like one of the best scenes in the movie is this dinner room scene. And then for me, the other best scene is like the courtroom scene, but this dinner scene where it's like they come aboard. Well, it's the only chance we get to see the other side. Yeah.
0: You know, this idea that we, I've been talking about in the book, we get to see, um, everybody's feelings we get this scene with the Klingons but it's the only time we get to see the Klingons in the entire movie where you see that David Warner is not even as a Star Trek audience how we perceive Klingons because our, our biggest I mean for, by this point we know Worf but, in, yeah. you know, because Next Generation exists by this point. Yeah. But in terms of, like, the original Star Trek universe, like the uh, TOS, Yeah. you know, the pre-the century later. TOS, what,
2: the original series.
0: You know, because Next Generation is in the future past this, but in kind of this timeline, our biggest exposure to Klingons is... Christopher Lloyd's character evil Christopher Lloyd you know so we we
2: all know when Christopher Lloyd can be evil (laughs) he can be evil
0: (laughs) so it is the way David Warner portrays Gorkin those lines that we said very the idea of like you know, there's this f- not fight, but there's this tension at the table. This discussion of like, you know, listen yourselves, even like human rights or whatever she yeah, said. Even even it, that is even that's racist, and then like.
2: human, yeah.
0: You know, and so and the Gorkin's just sitting there watching it. Yeah, and you can only you don't know what he's thinking, but yet because he's such a good actor. And just like the look on his face and the way he's holding himself, you know what he's thinking. Yeah. And then the line is like, "Well, it seems like we have a long way to go." Yeah. And I
2: mean, he's very Lincoln-esque there. You know, like with the, I mean, aside from the visual with the beard, and, he's a and, realist. And, yeah. Yeah. You know. You know. He knows this is going to be tough. Yeah. Almost pragmatic of him to be able to understand. But he
0: knows that the, the the survival of his people rely on this. Yeah. And
2: it's almost like not everyone in the room is taking it seriously. Certainly not people on our side or uh, on the enterprise's side you know kirk and them this is almost like a formality they don't want to do this but they're forced to it i think we've all been in situations where someone's coming over and you don't want them to come over but you got it it's family maybe you're having a hosting a dinner party or it's a holiday and you're like fuck I don't want to do this. They're bringing
0: gotta... over a kid that you don't know, and automatically your parents feel like you guys are going to should hang out and yeah.
2: play. And you're like, but I don't know this kid. I don't, don't want to f- play with my toys. He's not touching my <laughs> toys. You know, I don't want to play with my trucks. <laughs> and then he comes over and like, you know, you, you have you have to host this kid, and let him play with your stuff. Yeah, and then you come over and you're you're a freaking GI Joe fan. He brings freaking GoBots and He-Man over. You're like. <laughs> What the hell is this shit you're bringing over, man? I don't want if he this. brings anything. Yeah, oh. you know it's like, what are you bringing? You're bringing All of a sudden, you whole thing. Yeah, I mean, come on. I'm not. He's going in your room and he starts going through your shit. What the fuck. So, um. breaking your break transformer. Your shit. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Just be easy with Optimus Prime's legs because they can break real easily, man. Plastic's weak. Yeah. Uh, oh, that brings up a lot of memories. <laughs> 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 I had a there's a there's a picture <laughs> I, I might include with this post. I found pictures in my family album of me very little. Uh, I, I couldn't have been un, under over four, and uh, I had a chips like thing you can ride on. It wasn't a bike. It was like a plasticky. It wasn't a uh, big wheel, but it was yeah. in between. And I had that thing and I loved it. I watched chips love the fucking thing. Next door neighbor after a big family barbecue comes over and starts playing with it, breaks it and he breaks it in front of me and everyone's laughing like my dad everybody's laughing because i forget how he did it the context was but it, like it wasn't his fault yeah so they were laughing that it happened but i was like crying i'm like yeah, those yeah. kids breaking my <laughs> fucking chips thing and then he and then like let him play so he keeps playing he breaks it again and i was like so then the next week my dad got me like the night rider yeah, big yeah. wheel, proper yeah. big wheel with the freaking uh, e brake that would eject you when you, <laughs> when you when you pull that thing. But it's like you know that's the example. of Like the kid's coming over, so I don't want to touch my stuff, and then he yeah, breaks. Yeah. He broke my chips, freaking. So I have pictures of me on the chips thing. Now
0: well, The other thing in this scene that's yeah. very important is that we get, Let's to, get back to the movie is yeah. that we get to check off check offs. <laughs> <laughs> you get to check off something off your list which is the line, Undiscovered Country... Correct. ...is said in this scene.
2: Yes. It, it,
0: Dion has a, <laughs> as a he has discussed, as a child, he felt... I No, I just thought it was... That, uh, the t- that, it, that it was common practice. It was, you were spo- I thought that you was, were supposed It was an to, unspoken rule... That you're supposed to have the... That uh, the title of the movie is supposed to be
2: said... In, the, in, in the, the movie at yeah. some point. And I thought that was...
0: And because Deanna said that, I have noticed <laughs> that it happens way more than I ever noticed.
2: Because when I was little, <laughs> I used to check it. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's why so they like, call him Dirty Harry. Check. <laughs> you know? World one to maximum overdrive. Check. You know, it's all these fucking things. Total recall. So, check. David Warner, for his toast. Yeah.
0: To the undiscovered country. To the undiscovered country. Now, I don't know if you want to put that in some kind of context. Well, they... Like, that react, they have a reaction to it. Yeah, in, be, in case you haven't read Hamlet, the reaction of that in Hamlet, uh, Kurt, uh, Spock says, Act 3, Scene 1, in the context of the, sp- of in the, in the play where this line comes from, he's referring to death.
2: Yes, and that was the original intention of Nicholas Myers using it in the Wrath of Khan to mean that. Yeah. You know. So when he says that, it's almost ominous.
0: Yes. On, oh, me, even maybe by the, by the
2: crew of the Enterprise is perceived as as a threat. Yeah, almost. And there's another big thing on the table that when Christopher Plummer makes his entrance, and it's a it's amazing. in uh, you know, if you start talking uh, great villains of all time, I feel like Christopher Wa- Christopher Plummer's <laughs> Christopher Walking. Walk. Well, imagine that! <laughs> wow, to be uh, not to be but not to be in the original Klingon. <laughs> Don't wait for the translation. <laughs> answer me now wow you have a single wit doctor (laughs) whoa arrivals are ended Kirk (laughs) oh cry havoc and let's the dog the dogs anyway so uh, when when Christopher Pullman makes his entrance and then you have this idea of Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, people, some people will say he's hamming it up, he's overacting, he's, 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 he's uh, what are the other p- things that they could say? He's, it's stupid or it's, it's too gimmicky or it's just eating the scenery. Being a 12 year old or 13 year old when I saw this, yeah. it was fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. You have this guy come and then I understand the idea of like them appropriating Shakespeare and this gets back to the Nazi idea of comparing them to the Nazis. There's two, there's uh Chamberlain who was the um the uh, england's um king at the time or the prime minister uh neville, neville chamberlain he says a line that they say like we need, you know that there will be no oh what's the hell is uh the line that they say um, he says there's be no peace in our time. That was what the Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain said about to appease Hitler. They say that, and then at some point the the Nazis tried to appropriate Shakespeare, and there's yeah. they, they say that you 've never read Shakespeare until you read it or in the original German, and that's where uh, Shatner quotes, uh, you know, Earth Hitler, nineteen thirty eight, or Earth Germany, nineteen thirty eight. But it's so awesome that you have this this guy start quoting Hitler, and you know, and then it, or quoting Hitler, quitting quoting Shakespeare, and then all the it's Klingon. So you immediately realize that these are are very learned people. Yeah, you know, especially I guess the higher, the more intellectuals. And there's a lot of idea through this character that you talk, you talk to Christopher Plummer about, and Plummer's like uh, he feels like his character doesn't even speak Klingon anymore. He says, like he he, he he only speaks Klingon when he swears or has to has to in front of people. Like he, he thinks this way, and it makes him a better yeah. warrior to have you know to be able to have these these kind of uh, back and well, forth. Well, it's
0: very telling because <clears throat> av- when the assassination happens, McCoy is unable to treat and save Gorkon because he doesn't know Klingon anatomy in the. Novelization. there's more of this eternal thing where he's like, he blames himself for the death. He's like, but I've never been, I'd never had to learn it because we were always at war with them. There was never any reason to save them. So there was no reason for me to know. it. He kind of like try, and then, tries to appease himself. I mean, the, like he feels guilty that he doesn't know it and he wishes he knew it, but he to make himself feel better. He says, well, like I never needed, but then at the same time, we have these Klingons that have that are have grossly, you know, and studied everything about studied uh, the, uh, Earth culture.
2: Yeah, they know they know Shakespeare.
0: They, you they know, know they know these kind of, things. Yeah.
2: And it goes on to that that in in the Star Trek, Laura Bones ended up authoring two cli- uh, two medical books that are referenced upon. And uh, I wonder, one's called McCoy's Reference Book: Compartmental Alien Physiology, and the other one's the Star Trek Fleet Medical Manual. And it le- lists McCoy as a contributor, so I wonder after this, in his, you know, when he, once he retires, he's like, I got to start writing some medical books because of this. And then that's, you get the courtroom scene where Christopher Walken, played by uh, Christopher Walken, <laughs> says, <laughs> "Let me ask you, you yeah, handshake?" <laughs> <laughs> uh terrible Christopher Walken
0: When Gork, when they beam, when the Klingons him, beam aboard the Enterprise, yeah. and the, he's introduced to Chang. Uh, he's got an eye patch and he's got a fucking eye patch bolted into his <laughs> skull but there's this instance where Kirk in his internal monologue knows of like Chang the merciless or whatever you know like there's his reputation is perceived him and so he's you know he's also like got his on the brakes a little bit you know because, you also, because he knows that
2: Chang is, has a reputation of just like slaughtering people and it's interesting because you also get the feeling this like and this is the brilliance of Plumber's portrayal that as soon as he gets there that uh he's almost got a hard-on for Kirk because he, he almost... Because he knows Kirk's reputation. Yeah. Whether so it's
0: true or not. Whether the stories he's it's heard are true. It's like Doc Holiday
2: true. and Johnny Ringo coming together. You know yeah. what I mean? Like in that little, you know, oh, he, he knows Latin, darling. That's why I really hate him. You know, it's like he's an educated man. So like Plummer comes up to him. Plummer's like, you know... Starts like I, you know, I I know Shakespeare too. You know, like, you know, it's like he's you know he's like he's pro-middle. and I love like the opening shot of the dinner when they're when they're dollying past everybody, and they're the awkwardness of them with the napkins and they're trying yeah, to figure yeah. out what to do, and then and then all the things we said, and I mean it's just so there's so many good lines in this movie that I've grown up, and you and I of course have, have randomly yelled at each other yeah, in yeah. situations, you know, so like to me that is one of the best scenes in the in the movie is this is this back and forth at the at the dinner table establishes so much uh subtextual and text we should uh, touch on right before this happens there's this scene with Spock and we haven't even talked about the control yet yeah yeah um, Kim Cattrall, uh was originally she auditioned for the for the Kirsty alley part in Star Trek 2 right or were mm-hmm. they or did they ask her for it I don't, I don't I don't know one of the two either she was unavailable or she auditioned and get didn't get it but Kirstie Alley gets uh, what's her name in Savic, Savic in two, and then she doesn't come back for three for some reason. And then they have another actress. I forget her name. Do Savic, but when it's
0: not. But she's not Savic in it, right? She's I thought
2: she's the same. Yeah, I thought it's. I thought it's Savic, but you know they have somebody else come what's her name because Christy, kirstie alley wouldn't come back so by the time you hit six the original idea was to have savage come back and be this character yeah well that's interesting because and this is what Roddenberry's is like no fuck that again he's like this this is not her character arc and nicholas meyer's like fuck fuck that fuck you, you know, there's this a is buddy, my character there's I a mean. buddy of
0: mine uh eli who is a he's a fan of similar things yeah. as us Geek culture Pop culture And Star Trek He and I went to go see A screening of Wrath S- of Cullen together. together uh, He and I also went to One of those Fathom events Where You know They this They did like the They combined the two Borg That, that cliffhanger Where Picard becomes Borg
2: Yes Resistance and, is Utah.
0: They combined the two And screened it as like a movie
2: Not like a Borg night no like the Borg Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For some reason They're <laughs> talking about Star Trek <laughs> yeah, yeah, here I like,
2: <laughs> I, It came to my head There's a fan art Of Ernest Borg As your, your Little cutest Borg And I was like Oh I, you got No it. but you know they, yes. take,
0: they took those two episodes And they, and they Married uh, them together They married them together Into one And we went to go see That together a mashup. Um, And his big You're right She is Savick in that Yeah His big complaint is I, that I, I'm that
2: very it, quiet About my Star Trek knowledge. Is that
0: that's not Savick What isn't that Kim Cattrall is, isn't Savick. She isn't Savick. I know. His big problem with Six oh, is that, that she she's, is not oh, well, Savick. The
2: original idea was it was supposed to be, but, but uh, Gene Roddenberry had such contention about it. And then Nicholas Myers like, I, I don't care what you think. it. I invented the character for two. I can say <laughs> what I want about it. But I think it would have, is it a bigger payoff to have it be Savick oh, in this yeah. movie? The betrayal. Yeah. So Cattrall doesn't want to come back when she's offered this because she's like, no. You know, I don't want to play a character that's already been played by two different people that I've already auditioned for or I passed on, and they say, no, it's going to be a whole different character, for whatever reason. And she's like, okay, I'll come aboard. And to her credit, you think about, like, you know, a lot of people, if you forget her, her career in Big Trouble in China, or her early 80s stuff like Mannequin, and then people know her probably, you know, for better or for worse now, probably for better, as Sex and the City. Yeah. You know, she's a very promiscuous person on that show, very sexual. She might get naked all the time. But you look at her in this movie, it's so great how, she, you know, it was her idea to shave her sideburns, you know, it, to, 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 to look. And her look is very much different from, from um, Spock's look. And Spock very much so went back to like the '66. Uh, look to make sure his ear, because this was supposed to be the last movie that he was going to be playing Spock, so he wanted his ears to look right and all that. So there's this scene where, and I've always, since I've seen the movie, felt like it was like a hot for teacher almost, like Spock, she is supposed to be Spock's replacement, like uh, in the new role on this ship, on the Enterprise or whatever, but beyond that, I felt like even though Spock is half human, correct? Yeah. So I even felt like Spock, like, you know, you know, would, would, Join in some sort of mating ceremony with her. As he a would, drop of a hat.
0: He would go for some... Uh, some, some... What's it? <laughs> what's it? the... Uh, oh, man. What's this? Every seven years, the Klingons... Have, uh, the Sp- Vulcans have their... Uh, the Amok Time farm. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I th- I think that he, he very much is he like... He would have the hell out of her. He far <laughs> the hell out of her. <laughs> Double dipped with the pond far you know? And he would have took a doggy bag home. <laughs> you know so i think he really is attracted to her so yeah. he's so th- so the scene right before the the klingon's board is there's this scene in in their in his in his quarters where he's doing this proper ceremony with her and the scene is so interesting it's so two-dimensional in a sense what i mean by that two-dimensional is that there's two different things going on where it's like you have spock is like you know talking to her about you know honor respect you know you're going to i'm passing the torch to you where she we learn later on in the movies having this whole other Crises that when you go back and rewatch, they're they're like talking to two different people. Yeah, you know, and I think that's brilliant. You know, Uh should I talk about yeah Valeris's role in the book?
0: Yeah, in the novelization,
2: why not? That's why you're here. Uh You read the book. One, Kirk, don't tell me he's already tired. notices <laughs> okay. that
0: he he feels that Valeris has a little crush on Spock. Oh, he notices
2: well, that. That's he not what says.
0: <laughs> Now to mo- to the real, uh, cling- the real Star Trek fans, the real Trekkies, yeah, they'll notice that Valeris is not a is not a Vulcan name. Yes, Vulcan female names usually begin with T. Yes, to Tupau, stuff like that. Savik. Savik didn't either. We in the, I learned in this. I'm sure it's probably in the novelization of two. I don't remember being in the movie that Savik is actually half Romulan, half Vulcan. She's not full Vulcan. Hmm. Savik. According according to this What we learn about Valeris Is that her backstory Is that she Is the daughter of Vulcan Scientists who are stationed On a planet Just outside the neutral zone On the border of Klingon space
2: Oh don't tell me it's kind of like a um, Uh What's the name of that damn movie Uh Oh, it's like they came and raped the family it's it's it's, it's uh <laughs> the vikings or not the, too far off you know
0: her parents are very progressive okay hippie-ish almost they don't te- they, they don't teach her the vulcan ways she doesn't learn the vulcan ways until she returns to vulcan like as a young adult and then studies how to the logic and how to suppress emotions and all this stuff um so she, her mom names her Valeris because Valeris is the name of like a Klingon god of, female god of war. Yeah. Or something like that. And also like if you didn't know Klingon, you they could, they thought that you could take like, it also means valor. Yeah. So she's named after a Klingon thing. And in, even in, in the novelization, Kirk goes Valeris. That's not a, that's not a Vulcan name. That sounds almost Klingon. Uh when he first meets her on the bridge. and Kirk says that to her? Yeah. He's a bit forward, isn't he? <laughs> Jesus. And when he says, like, you know, impulse power out, she's like, I would have to tell Question you that. Question yeah. In Kirk's mind, he's playing a little joke on her because of Savick, something that happened with Savick in 2.
1: Mm. And when
0: he looks at Spock, he's like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Spock's w- like
0: w- wink, wink, wink. Oh, I got you, Um Like this fucking yeah, this, clinging. This, this these broad, these, these vul- Vulcans. Um, uh, so, uh, and her... The, where she is, is attacked by Klingons. They they kill her mother. And though her dad survives, her dad's like never the same again.
2: This has happened years before? Or this yeah, is recently? yeah. As okay. a child. Oh, so the scars are in, you know. And so her skin.
0: dad kind of goes crazy and she's raised by like a an earthling, a human like nanny. And then at some point her dad, like I said, her dad kind of goes crazy and then... Uh, becomes a bit of a recluse, and she ends up returning, asking permission to return to Vulcan. She returns to Vulcan, and it's then that she learns the Vulcan ways. She studies them. By the time she gets onto Enterprise, she's still not strong with them because she's she hadn't been studying them her whole life. And she feels a kindred ship with Spock because she knows that he's an outsider also because he's half-human. Oh, so there's that little connection. And so there's this personal thing about the Klingons that she has. You know, there's a lot of stuff more it's more implied uh, more clearly in the novelization. It's, you know, it it comes out later flash forward spoiler alert that she's in on this the coup? and this coup. Yeah. to uh to end the 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 potential alliance and the treaty. Um and that you like you were just in uh, in, in saying there's this, she, she says to Spock, like, I tried to tell you.
2: Yeah. And then he's like, we weren't thinking clear.
0: We yeah, like, both weren't thinking clearly. We, clear we both night. of us were having, like, we're not talking to each other or whatever, yeah. however he words it. Like, I don't think either one of us were listening. Yeah. Because um, he was trying to tell her that it was going to be okay. Yeah. Hope. And all that stuff. And, and, she, even... was, and she was saying, it's not logical to believe that the Klingons are going to abide by this treaty. And it, it opens up this whole other aspect of the thing that I think is in, obviously in the movie, but maybe not as clear, which is Cartwright and Valeris... Cartwright being or, Brock Peters. Brock Peters. Yep. They believe that if we form a treaty with them, we back off our military presence on, across the neutral which zone. Which usually happens. 50 years from now... The Klingons are going to attack us. Rebuild. And we're not going to be ready for it. So their fear is that not now, down but later line, yeah. we're going to get caught with our pants down. Because we're and placating to, to them. On the flip side, you have the Klingons and probably the Romulans, because the Romulan ambassador. He's in or, on it, too. He's in on it. art. <laughs> <laughs> His thing is, if we, could, if we submit... To a treaty, then we're going to lose our culture, our way of life. We're going to be assimilated into the Federation. We're going to lose our right, our warrior way, everything that belongs to us. And oddly enough, these two tensions... (laughs) <laughs> Strange breadfellows, yeah. <laughs> Bring them together, and they form their own treaty.
2: Enemy and my enemy world. is my friend. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, and, and they, they both kind of conspire, which is not unheard of. I mean, you no, have a no. lot of that. You have, uh, you know, all through the pa- you have, you know, of course, you have the Lincoln assassination, but you have other people who. But I don't think
0: it's as clear. It's there in the movie, but it's not quite as clear as like everybody's motivations. You know, I think Chang says it at some point, maybe during the dinner. You know about like you know you guys go around and you simulate other oh yeah he's, you know. yeah and it's he, it's he expresses his fears about it and in it's in the cool. dinner but we don't really know why valeris we just we understand that well i think it's her view of her view of the logical standpoint is not spock's both coming from what they feel is logical they end up with two different, totally different yeah. endings. To and, their, it's, to, and it's to, the, to so the, much
2: more of a heartbreak when he. When I've always thought like he mind rapes her. Like, yeah. He, well, he. It's no. funny
0: because in the in the novelization, he points out that like it's a big deal because on Vulcan to forcibly mind meld with somebody, it's the equivalent of rape. They say in the book, but they also they take it back a little bit by. They back off like Spock's mind rape a little bit by he doesn't so much extract her thoughts, but for but gives her his thoughts in the in the novelization. He said he opens his mind up to her so that she can see why he's doing this and like why it's important. And then she for the uh, hope
2: for her to come around,
0: and then yeah, you know, because she as
2: opposed to just like what it seems in the of, movie. In like the
0: movie, it seems like he's just
2: fucking she, pulling. Yeah, it and she's, like, <laughs> <laughs> and
1: she's like,
2: where is it? Yeah. Where's the, the you know? It's, it's so it's such a great that like he you could tell how pissed he is. He's like, oh, you when know, he
0: when she turns, when she show when she shows up in the oh in, with the light, yeah, in the in the med, in the med- medical bay to kill the
2: t- yeah supposedly to get those two people the. They need uh, a train again, we're hoping
0: you see this, but when he gets up, he's like, "You have to kill me." That's the only logical. And he like, slaps the gun away. Yeah. He's fucking
2: pissed. Yeah, that's that's that <laughs> Spock as you've only seen like when he in those crazy episodes when he gets like a little human, uh, and that adds a context to the scene earlier on when those two ensigns at the, when the when the group of Klingons leave. the yeah, con- yeah. and she says, "Don't you have work to do?" Those are the people who end up going. So we end up having, and this is what I love about this movie. Uh, you know. We have that great dinner sequence. Goodbye, see you later. And then it's like we go back to you know Kirk's everyone. And I love as soon as they leave, they're taking a shut off. You know, Kirk opens his thing up. The people are like, loosening like, the no, belts.
0: No to the galley. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're
2: not serving rum ale anymore. Diplomatic functions uh, you know, anymore. <laughs> it's so great. You know, our our our. Um, our manners were uh, Emily Post, and I was I, when I was little. I had to go find out who Emily Post was, and then when they call him to the bridge, Spock's like, "We
0: have some kind of radiation." He's like, "Radiation? What's that?"
2: And, and they check and, off so like, "Yeah, only the size of my head." Yeah, only it's coming from my head, and then. It's like, it's pins and needles, the tension, all of a sudden there's that fire, uh, you know, the the, the the attack, and, you know... Well, it's caught by surprise. I mean,
0: there's, like, this moment of, like, there's some... We're getting some kind of weird reading, and then out of nowhere... A, a missile a, fire. A, 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 torpedo. A, a photon torpedo gets fired and hits the, hits the Klingon ship. Yeah,
2: and they don't have their shields on. It hits them once. Another, a second one goes off, and it's the uh, first time we may ever see it in the Star Trek universe... It hits their gravity and they lose their their gravity. Great! Yeah. It's it's a it's one of those shots. They had them with their pants down. It's like getting a tiger tank in the ass where the where the less, least armor is, and they lose gravity. And we've never seen that before. No. And all of a, and then I love the havoc of what's going on on the bridge. Like you know, uh, Kirk's like, "What the fuck?" And, and you know, everyone starts going crazy. And then at the same time, uh, they're floating around. What's going on? And then I love. What's the first thing Gorkin says? Fine, freaking Chang. You know, something's like almost like he knows something's happening. Yeah. And then you have these people beam on board. And to, to me, the, the, those spacesuits of those two guys like, are so 80s, like Nintendo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, very yeah. Nintendo, like meter, meter. Yeah, it was ma- funny you know, in my
0: memory, they seemed so much cooler and more ominous yeah than they do when you watch
2: it out the helmets are cool yeah but yeah, the suits themselves are just like just yeah you know but to me it just seems bang, so jumpsuit <laughs> you know and it's so cool how they did the scene and they have floating blood and then then they were worried about cgi it early this is early cgi and this is a movie that gets uh, overlooked about the uses of early cgi here um and uh great sequence where they're shooting everybody and the blood droplets and they, they didn't want the blood to be red because they were worried about it being too gory and getting an r rating so they made it like violet yeah. and uh and then when they the guy gets his arm cut off and great with the light flipping it's so great and then they 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 shoot gork on they get back onto the thing and i love when they're you know the music detention the you see some of the blood get get uh Uh, thingied over transported over and then they they restore their their freaking uh gravity gravity. everything everything crashed great it comes around and that's a huge scene where then you have like you know it's sideways and you have plumber like how dare you when our pants are down and we're taking a (laughs) piss you're gonna do this to us we're gonna blow you out of the sky and that's a great scene there for kirk i mean that how uh to, to Kirk's credit Kirk says we surrender keeps us cool you Shields know, captain Yeah Shields you know that's like uh, you know between uh JFK and uh what's his face um Khrushchev when the, with the, with the with the we almost went to nuclear war in like yeah, the yeah. 60s 13 days of May, uh, in May I think it is and you know just because of over these communiques you know, yeah. th- you know, shit could have went south quickly, but so and it's and like. Everybody's like, shields? Yeah, You know, shield, like, are we going to you know, return fire? And they're, they're zooming, they're, <laughs> vroom, they're powering <laughs> up, and they're like, no, 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 we surrender, we surrender. Kirk's like, let's take the harassment. Yeah, He's just like, so then they go over, and then the scene when him and Bones go over, and I love that, like, you know,
0: Spock's like, Spock feels guilty that he's gotten them into this. So he's like, let me go. Yeah. And Kirk's like,
2: no. You'll be the one to get us out of it.
0: But he's also like, Maybe it's in the novelization. He's, he's like, what's it going to look like if I send you over there? Oh, instead of me? Yeah, like I'm, it's good, We're going to look more guilty.
2: It's funny because in the earlier series. You you sometimes can't explain away all of a sudden why in every episode like the the three main people it's like the captain you know it's like you know because they're the they're the leads we need to have yeah. them in the episode you'd think they would just send ensigns or <laughs> away. but this it's a little more believable like no, the captain's purse because he's saying we ha- we don't know what and the and bones is on.
0: like I'm a doctor that might need help
2: yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go too and but then he slaps on this huge like patch
0: <laughs> <laughs> that lasts throughout the trial yeah, nobody, throughout nobody throughout the arrest they never change
2: their clothes it's like you know in the, in the movies when it's like you know. Batman's captured by the Joker, and they're and and then they're also wearing their 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 utility (laughs) belts like GI Joes. You know, it's like you know when. When Lady J is like, you know, she still has her spears. It's like, aren't you going to last f- days of a repent day? We, yeah. You know, through b- going, b- walking through the ice tundra. <laughs> so they, they get on board, and I love that sequence with like, you know, it's kind of comical. They're like, okay, come this way. You can help. You know, but they get to the boardroom, and that whole scene where they're trying to like, and then I think de- DeForest Kelly's brilliant in the scene. He gets up on the table. Yeah.
0: He's, you can know, he's desperate. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and he says it in the, th- he says it later oh, in the Oh, it's the such a good scene. delivery. I was
2: dead. I had to save him. I mean, These are like, our last chance of peace. Yeah, and it's almost like, you know, oh, I'm getting misty-eyed about it. But it's like he gets on I top did, of him. When I read the, when I was reading the book, I would get choked up. i no, you're no, getting choked book. up now because I love it's like, he's like, Christ, I don't know his anatomy. Yeah. And then I love like in such bones-esque ways, like the damn bass is going into some anaphylactic shock. And he starts like, you know, hitting his, trying to get his yeah. heart going. And you think about it, it's a different culture. Uh, you know, can you imagine 200 years ago, you're trying to save somebody in front of people and you start punching the person in the chest? Yeah, they're not yeah. going to know it's, you know. So they're letting him do it. And then he comes around again and he says to Kirk, like, don't let it end yeah, this it was way. Kirk by the head. Yeah, great it, shot. Brings him in, brings him down. Don't let it end this way, motherfucker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then he, then they, and then great plumber, he's like, you know, under, under the rules of your fucking <laughs> treaty, you know, they and they arrest him. And then, and then, so then it starts. We love the idea. It becomes this whodunit where it's like you know, Scotty's like, "For fuck's sake, all you know, visually accounted for it. You know, it says we didn't. So then it's you have this great, and that's another thing where you never see before. It's like we gotta we gotta search the ship from high to low, and you start seeing you know, you see the cadets' quarters, you see It's the first time, very controversial. The galley, Star Trek fans were pissed. Like, why are you showing a kitchen? you That's know. some thick mashed potatoes yeah really <laughs> thick <laughs> the, 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 the you just and then and then it's all it's it's funny that it's believable that she just goes up cracks, shoots it and yeah then I, if it's i was the, that guy I'd be like hey that took me all morning to make man what the fuck
0: so uh, yeah so i think mean, we're running out Yeah, of time. So we speed this along. so much to talk about uh, uh but yeah i agree with you one of the <clears throat> one of the one of this film's strongest suits are is that we get to span so many different genres of movies. Yeah, we get like the intrigue,
2: we get an assassination, espionage, we spy. get we get a
0: courtroom drama yeah. scene, which is fantastic. So you
2: have I love then the idea of um, you know the, the the back and forth between Cattrall and Nemo, like a lie and omission. No, uh, you know all that that stuff, and then them trying to figure out well you know well all the missiles are accounted for, and then he gives his little Sherlock Holmes and an old ancestor of mine says if you if you outweigh the oh, the impossible even I'll rash what's what's yeah, the yeah i feel quote? like if
0: you eliminate the impossible it, the, <laughs> the, the however irrational the, the, the yeah I'm, blah blah blah
1: we we 're butchering very improbable. That, is,
2: is the is your reality so yada, then yada, yada. Uh, you have Kirkwood Smith who was on slept over last year when we did the uh, uh, robocop he 's uh, Clarence Boddicker he 's the president of the federation, mm-hmm. and automatically this is a deleted scene that they added into the to the home video release where it 's like uh very much like our government would do like we already have a delta force ready to go for for an extraction let us do it and then he's he's very wise like no i don't want to do this have a go in there how would that look if we got to go you know there's an assassination and then we're going forcibly trying to get our guys back and then uh there's this big courtroom sequence which is amazing because it becomes almost like i brought up before judgment in Nuremberg. Because in Judgment of Nuremberg, they do a very good, awesome thing where Maximilian Schell, who won an Oscar for his performance as the, the um, I think he's the prosecutor in it, where everybody's speaking, Nuremberg, it's about the post-World War II, the actual trials they put the, um, the Nazis on uh, about the, the, the war crimes they committed during the, the war. So you have a, the laundry list of people in the movie. Um, and since everyone's speaking German or American, they do that shot where they go in and then they come out and all of a sudden they're speaking English, which yeah, is, I think yeah. is great. They first do it, I never realized, is when they're speaking with the daughter and then all of a sudden Christopher Plummer's in the background hanging out very ominously by the wall and he's like, and then he starts speaking English and they all start speaking yeah, English. Yeah.
0: Here it makes it you know? a little more
2: clear because we get, yeah.
0: we get like the translators in like the room yeah. listening do, to it and feeding into the translator. One quick thing, because I brought up the undiscovered country and how in Hamlet it means death and how what it means in there. Obviously, in the context of what Gorkin's doing in his thing is undiscovered country meaning like we're forging into new territory yeah. hopefully a new history
2: and at the time I mean I didn't know Shakespeare that well so that to me was what it meant yeah, yeah. the undiscovered country is what is you know on the horizon what what it could be the paradise we could have yeah. so they have this great courtroom sequence where uh, Chang almost for ego but also shows a, a politics of like how um, amazing he is you know he's he's the Prosecuting attorney, and I mean, at first you're like, "Oh, that's kind of silly," but it's like, "Hey, no, you know what? It's you know, it's believable in a sense of like he wants to personally go after these guys." And there's this great uh, banter, and there's always been a rivalry. Christopher Plummer is also a Canadian actor. He actually went to high school with Oscar Peterson, the uh, very famous jazz pianist. And him and Shatner are kind of contemporaries, so there was this rivalry in the theater where Plummer would be doing these great Shakespearean roles, and a couple times Shatner would be the understudy for him. And there's been one story where, for whatever reason, maybe like like a kidney stone or whatever, uh, Plummer couldn't perform, and and Shatner did his performance in, in that night, like with three hours notice. Got some of the ravers reviews of his career. So Plummer was like, "Oh, he did." So as soon as he came back, he did like the best performance they say of his career that night. So there's always been this rivalry pre- between the two. So when you get them together on in this kind of a situation yeah. where he starts cross examining bones, and I love that with these. Now, what I wanted to ask you, cause I'm running through all this. Yeah, yeah. The, what's the the bones at? Uh, I, I've for years, I've never under understood that laugh. You know when, he, when he, Bones makes a joke? Is it... And they cut away to, like, nobody laughing? Is there one person there's in the one the, person in the audience that thinks it it it's funny. It is. Okay, it's not... Then I always thought, is it that, or is it them cutting back to Bones' laugh echoing? No, no, I think it's... Okay. Well, there's one guy... I've always read it as there's one guy
0: that's in how the I, audience that thinks
2: it's that's funny. That's how I thought it was, too, and I, I, I've never, you know...
0: There's some good stuff in the novelization in this scene, only in that... I think we're seeing it from Bones's point of view. Oh, okay, that's awesome. And uh, he thinks that, like, in the book, it's Worf. And here, it's never said to be Worf. It's although wh- although his makeup's different, so it's not really Worf. I thought it's Worf's grandfather. Very well, could be, but maybe prob- Worf's maybe his last name, and he's also Worf. You okay. I mean? have <laughs> always read it that
2: it's like his, you know, how progressive Worf ends up being, yeah. you know, that it's, this is the reason why, because his family is. Yeah, but I don't think he's
0: ever called Worf in the movie. Oh, I thought he
2: was. Okay. Maybe yeah. he is. Yeah. Um, but like in the credits, I don't because think Because then at is. the end, when they have this peace conference, it's on Camp, Camp Kittimer, which people know in The Next Generation is the place where there's that big Klingon attack where I think Worf's family's killed. It yeah. all happens on Camp Kittimer. But down the he line. thinks
0: that even the Klingon, his Kling, the defending Klingon attorney's in on it, and he's like, you know, in his head, he's like, "Who's his bones?" Yeah, and he's like, "Come on, man!" And then finally, the wharf attorney starts turning. He's like, "Okay, good." Like he actually has somebody on our side. Oh, that's cool. And then there's a scene at the end where it's like, right before they get sentenced, and Christopher Palmer ends, and he's, they go to the they go to the attorney they go to the Worf attorney character, and they're like, "Okay, now we get to plead our side of the case." He's like, "No, that's it." You know, he he thinks just like prosecution is rested. Your, now the defense, defense starts, is going yeah. He's like, no, no, we're done. That's it. That was it. <laughs> Jesus. So there's just like little nuggets, and then when, you know, when when uh, Chang is like, you know, is. Is it not true that the, as captain of the ship, you're responsible of the thing? And McCoy's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're fucked. Because he's right. You know, when Kirk says, like, I am, I am respo- the captain. I yeah. am the captain. I'm responsible. Yeah. You know, in McCoy's head, he's like, oh, God. Damn. He's like, don't answer it, Jim. Yes. Yeah.
2: Because he, well, he trips him up first. He's like, um, what does he say? He's like, you know, I wasn't familiar with the Klingon anatomy. He goes, well, you know, uh, you did drink a size of a portion of round yeah, the nail yeah, then. He's yeah. like, well, we all did. He's like, do your hand, you know, let me ask you a question. Do your handshake." shake? And everyone's like,
0: Argh! Have you have have you ever have you ever saved
2: somebody's life that was in like that this, much peril, yeah. And yeah. that's like, yeah, you have fuck. We've watched three seasons of it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, but I didn't know his anatomy. Yeah, it's so and good. He's like you know, and he's like, but I tried to save him. Yeah, and, and that, yeah, the, the force Kelly's delivery is like, I tried to. I, he was our last. He was our. I hope. was desperate like, to save yeah, him. it's like you're like oh, and I love that they're televising it. Everyone's watching, and then like you know, Kirkwood Smith, the, the president of the Federation, turns. He can't you know, and it's just like it's the tension, and then there's even the. at every step when you have Nimoy in charge of the Enterprise now it's like everything Kim Cattrall the Cattrall saying is very like she's challenging him because you know she's in on it so he says we have to try to do this she's like wouldn't that be he's like shut up just do what I (laughs) want you know so they ended up and then one of the best lines of the movie which you and I used to quote endlessly is that Christopher Plummer like don't wait for the translation answer (laughs) me now it's like so good you know and uh, you know they they get uh, condemned to this to this planet, rural Pente, and it's a great idea. Where it's they're saying like, you know, at first they were thinking it'd be a desert colony, much very much like maybe. Um, well, they even
0: refer somebody refers it to it as, as a gulag
2: yeah in the movie. so you, you think it like first it's almost like um uh barabbas like the anthony quinn movie like they're going to the salt mines or something like that but i love the idea like no let's make it a fucking ice planet yeah. you know and it's like it's a big glacier and then you know them below and there's we're we're, we're the lithium really, mines of Penta. the lithium mines and then like you know oh, they should have just fucking killed him first <laughs> you know <laughs> you just take him out in the back and shoot him in the fucking head with a gun you know but it's like uh, we're we're really breezing over the technical aspects of this, but because we said before the budgets were so con- restricted, there's a lot of scenes, Citizen's Kane style, where it's just like dark rooms and clever placement in in foreground, mid ground, and background. of So so the spaces look a lot better, yeah. forced perspective, where they took like uh, at the time since Next Generation was out, they took they bought like a hundred wharf dolls and they they did it. For, uh, very then they so they put the wolf dolls like as forced perspective like as the in the in the trial scene and they're like on rollers they, which they did in ben-hur so when you move them it all looks like they're you know yeah, you know yeah. and so it's all all great stuff and it and i like it it's dark more realistic they say like you know um one of the ideas either nicholas meyer or the dp uh, who is hero Nar- Nar- narita yeah
0: who. I was just coming off of The Rocketeer.
2: Amazing, you know.
0: And was a cameraman on The Last Waltz and Apocalypse Now. Uh, he worked on Return of the Jedi, and he was also the DP for Hocus Pocus.
2: Hocus Pocus, a mucka mucka muck. A muck, a muck. <laughs> uh, but he, I don't know if it was his idea, but they took, uh, they wanted to shrink the, the the halls, or I don't know if that's the proper way of the Enterprise. You know, like, to make it more claustrophobic, a la, like, a sub. Yeah, Because yeah. you look at the original series, and those freaking things are huge. You could fit, like, a train through, like,
1: those yeah, hallways. Yeah, one of the things that I, know?
0: that I always felt was kind of weird about the movies is, that, like, they almost... And I understood... It, that started with Nicholas Meyer's intentions of, like, a sub, nautical thing. But it would always seem to me that, like, the enterprise... The technology of the enterprise... Took a step backwards, yeah from the from the Enterprise in the show. It's it's hard, to, which yeah. was supposed to be like forty years, you know, thirty years earlier. It seemed like it just got it got like less.
2: Well, it's futuristic. <laughs> that was a big problem for me. Not so much with the Scott Bakula Enterprise show, but when you watch the reboots of the Star, because they're supposed to take place before, but yeah, they're yeah. so much more scientifically. They look more modern than the. Sh- I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. But right. uh, so we, the. Then you have the idea where, uh, what's-his-face, Spock is like, well, if we, if we didn't shoot, somebody had to, maybe there was a, a ship under us. Well, how would that be cloaked? And that becomes our MacGuffin because I remember when I was little, of course we all knew the rules that, like, Klingons were the only people, I think... The Romulans had a cloak. They do have themselves. a cloak, yeah. That, you know, they can be cloaked, but you've never heard of a ship being able to fire while cloaked, and that's yeah. freaking amazing. So it's like, oh, how... There's know. a
0: big episode soon uh, where uh, they go onto the Romulan ship... Spock romances the female Romulan captain as he does and Kirk goes on under disguise plastic surgery
2: I remember this yes and they
0: steal the Romulan cloaking device yeah I remember that Scotty's got to figure out how to rig it onto the Enterprise to cloak the Enterprise
2: yeah great episode great great right Scotty can do anything and uh, so then I love this that Hitchcockian MacGuffin that like we have to that's that's how they were able to accomplish it much like last week's Uh, last episodes the gimmick for the getting around the dead man switch for the subway on take a Pelham one two three
0: they have this Uh, do you think that Star Trek six undiscovered country is just a futuristic diehard (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> Funny you say that. So it's like them stuck on a ship and on a on a on a, on a rural pentay. Somebody t- somebody uh DM'd me yesterday saying they got up to the point of <laughs> of of the taking a 123 when I I bring up Die Hard. You said, you think everything's Die Hard, and he, and he said he laughed. He thought that was funny. Well, it's so, funny because it works. So There's a little
2: shout-out to that guy. You can apply that to anything. You know? <laughs> Do you think Hocus Pocus is Die Hard in a Salem, Massachusetts? Uh, you know? we, can, we can apply that logic to anything. So you get to Rural Pente, and it's very much an homage to like, you know, the bridge of the River Kwai and all that kind of thing, yeah. and they meet Iman, who is the, David Bowie's wife. And uh, very quickly you realize that she's a um, shapeshifter. shapeshifter, which is such a frightening uh, concept. That you'll never know if you're really talking to the. It's like the thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and also Rob Oteen's effects, uh, to me, it was almost like, you know, when they get out and you see that frozen Klingon. Yeah. Very much like when they went to go see the Norwegians, you know, in in the thing. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, So then it becomes a a bit of like a a prison escape movie. Yeah, and this is where, to me, it gets a little. Up until this point, great. And I start to get lost because it gets a little jokey. And this is where I wonder, it's like almost. Like, we know years later that, that. Uh, William Shatner's persona is uh, joking now. He's lovable. Yeah, he's not yeah. so. It's almost to me like when you clone the, When you have the two doppelgangers together, it's like almost when he jumps the shark, or like Pacino and like uh, sure. Dick Tracy, or maybe even like uh, uh, *Son of a Woman*. You know, when he's screaming and yelling. Yeah, because you know, like, then
0: he's like, "And I kissed you." And she's like, "Probably your lifelong end." Yeah, see, playing so, off
2: like the ego. You're getting of that, Shatner. You're getting that for it's like foreshadowing of what Shatner's going to be in ten years. Like yeah. this, I'm you know, not like a. A joke but you know like, we do have
0: like the ongoing like funny joke that probably comes from Bond where like she, he's about to learn the enemy's about to reveal yes. everything now in the novelization he says the guy the Klingon says on earth you used to have a custom that before you were executed you get one last wish oh we still have a custom like that on Klingon Practical. so that's why I'm gonna tell you <laughs> and, he, and he's about you to know, tell you know so him. there's justification there's a little justification as opposed to it just being like a funny joke He says, "Like if this is your last wish, to know, then I'll tell you." And then they get beat the board, and they never hear it.
2: And and at that time, with the shapeshifter, I mean, that was the same year we had. uh, I think T two was already out at the time. Uh, Certainly, um, the abyss was. But a lot of people forget that um, younger people. But Michael Jackson had a video Mm -hmm. come out, premiere that year around the same time. Everywhere. Yeah, and it was on Fox, it was on VH1, it was on MTV, it was on like every station, and it was the black or white video directed by John Landis, and at the end of that video, uh, past that very controversial part where he's like grabbing his crotch and beating up the car, but you have at the end the black, and you see this face morphing, which was so new at the time, it was revolutionary, and I don't remember which predates it, if if the Michael Jackson black or white video was out first or this, but I thought it's so, even to this day, it's still great. Like you can't really tell, but I think it's such a great idea where it's like she's a shapeshifter. Supposedly they dreamed her up to be like a dark Han Solo kind of a character. I love the idea of this rural Pente, which is a a takeoff of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the Disney movie. At the end of the movie, they have an island where the the Nautilus is at, and there's a a slave colony there. That's rural Pente. And while
0: (coughs) all this is going on, we're having like the mystery, the whodunit trying to solve the
2: crime on the enterprise. Yeah, figuring. You know, well, if we didn't fire, they find the boots, and then if they're trying to, then that's a funny sequence with you know they they get the kid, and then you know Chekhov's like you know, <laughs> do you know <laughs> if the Russia, shoe fits? We it, and then he doesn't. He's not wearing. You know, he's, at, he, it's he's gonna, got
0: these crazy <clears throat> alien feet, so the you boots know, wouldn't fit.
2: His and feet. all these, on all those jokes, play rather well. They're yeah. not. I don't find them any kind of you know silly or whatever.
0: I agree. The stuff <clears throat> on Pente, the f- comedic stuff on Ruripente is the pokiest of the comedy. Yeah, model, I mean,
2: even way. you know, because it's like. Good thing he had knees Uh, Yeah that's not knees It's it's, it's old (laughs) Russian proverb For balls (laughs) For genitalia Not all aliens Have their genitalia In the same place So and then like Even like you know uh, You know No one's fucking with bones Everyone just is Trying to take Kirk It's, It's kind of formulaic Then they get They escape and then there's like you know when they're walking across the glacier and and Bones isn't in on it yet about the the patch, yeah. the Verdian, whatever the Even patch is. He, It's been it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it's like he took like a, if he's a ga- black gap yeah tape. or like <laughs> Grateful Dead like a bumper sticker. He's got like a like a dead or like I clown uh, I climb <laughs> like he, he took a bumper sticker like this car climb Mount Rushmore and put it on his neck you know, but it's like Bones almost dies. He's like leave me here you know and he's like come on and then so then there's this big sequence where like we said he the the shapeshifter turns on him he. Finds himself, and then that scene where the, where the the guy, the bad guy in so many movies, uh, that English guy who plays the you know with the yeah, yeah, yeah. he uh, he the, very easily could have killed. Sp- like it's it's never said like how close he came from killing Kirk. You know, to yeah. like, kill him, kill me, kill, uh, it's like that. What, God forbid, what happens? One, what happens if Bones died? They left Bones there. I end think, of the series. I
0: think in the novelization, he indicates that he knew it was the shapeshifter because he says something like, you know, no witnesses.
2: Oh, I see cuz that's almost kind of like he wants to do it on purpose to yeah. get rid of, you know, you get rid of the, the assassins, you kill at, at but they say <laughs> in this movie. Um so, and then I love, uh, we should mention too, when I was little, I loved the the, the um, Christian Slater cameo I picked yeah. up on, the, you know, of course we all, you know, and it's almost like it validates the young nerd that we were that like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that. Uh, that Christian Slater uh, was cool back He was then. dreamy. He was all, he was in all these. I pe- noticed this time around a lot of, a lot of like people laying around in this one. Oh, just not doing
0: anything yeah, with, with the light, light on. Well, like Kirk's, you know, Spock's laying down when she comes in in the beginning of the movie. Yep. After the dinner, Kirk lays down. Uh, Christian Slater wakes up Sulu, who's laying down. She comes in to assassinate them.
2: They're laying down. <laughs> Maybe that's a metaphor in the movie, laying down. You know, and then um, this also, uh, going back to the restriction, it's, it's, it's a, the theory you you bring up a lot is um, uh, restriction in art breeds the creativity. What's yeah, whatever yeah. your freaking that's pretty much yeah. It. And then this is something that Nicholas Myers really used as a theme in this movie to restrict how they did everything because they didn't have the budget. Yeah,
0: we talked about that about the a lot about in the end of what well, we're talking about the end of Back to the Future and our Back to the Future cast.
2: Yeah. Um, restriction in art help breeds to some of the best creativity or or some of the stuff. So, uh, this wraps up, then they go back up. Uh, you find out that big turning point that it is. Um, and I love that they're just, they've technically been wearing the same clothes since they've beamed over like a week before. Yeah. So they're still like in those shitty dinner outfits. Like they haven't been able to take them off. Like, you know, he, he hasn't taken a piss or whatever in a week (laughs) or whatever. He's still hung over, um, or still drunk. And then there's the big reveal that the catral is uh is in on it, and the whole well, they
0: set a trap for They say and when they set a trap because it's convenient
2: they, they open the door and the two people are dead there the
0: assassins are killed, so they make they send out a message on the on the intercom saying, like we need a court reporter to take their statements mm-hmm. or whatever indicating Paging that mr
2: so <laughs> herman Paging <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a phone call at the front desk so they
0: set a trap for the for the kill for the killer and yeah. Uh, Turns out to be Kim Control and then we're saying that's it's a great scene because then you see Spock Spock can't hold his emotion oh, he gets pissed he, he gets pissed so he's, he's like, just, a, he's disappointed he's pissed he's angry, angry. Yeah, he's all kind and of he's yeah. just like you know pull the trigger yeah. like go ahead do it do it like, bitch it's the only logical thing now you have to yeah she's like I don't want to he's like that one, wanting to do it has nothing to do with it it's logical
2: um, right before this when when it is revealed that Spock had put this tracker, this bumper sticker on the back of Kirk's outfit and they're going into Klingon territory. I've always found this scene hugely funny and comedic where they, they hit the, Klingon listening post, and they're like saying, you know, who goes there or whatever. Dun, dun, lean, and then you cut to them like in books. Yeah, which you know, just it, makes no sense. Yeah, see, <laughs> it's never. Th- I, I never thought of it. It's for only comedic purposes. Yeah, and I think it works great. There's no but books then, on the Enterprise. Exactly. It's like I never. Th- it never occurred to me because n- at the time, Nichelle Nichols was kind of pissed at the scene. She's like, "I'll do it because I understand why you want it," but she's like, "There's no books in the 23rd century. Plus, I'm a freaking linguist expert. I should yeah. know Klingon fluently.
0: And there's, and they have a universal translator on the fucking ship.
2: Yeah, that should be. A- <laughs> they can just—they don't want to use it because it will sound fake. But just have it read it to them, and they can read it back. But I do like the idea—they're all going through books. It's funny. You know, I yeah. mean, it's freaking me. Yeah, it's pretty funny, and the ho oh, oh, ho, you know. So, and then we get to—they have to stop this assassination, and they got to get to the planet in time on Camp Kittimer before. And then it becomes this beat the clock out. They get there. You have the Excelsior on its way, with uh, headed by Ahura, not Ahura, um, Ch- um, Sulu. Uh, Sulu. And then you have uh, still crazy Christopher. Plummer. How
0: long are we there yet? Are we are yeah, flying. There. We're flying. You know, he's like we're we're, we're going to you know continue, but we're going to break apart. Then break her apart. Yeah,
2: <laughs> the, you know. And then you get there, and all of a sudden you have the the cloaked bird of prey, and 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 then what's this plumber's throwing out every other line? Great. I mean, like I said, for yeah. a young kid who who was just being exposed to Ham uh, now that,
0: Shakespeare. This scene is one of those things where I was indicating earlier where you get like some of the. I I wonder
2: the exhaust pipe premise. The,
0: yeah, I wonder if it's very convenient. Yes, that like well, blah blah blah, it gives out the radiation, yada yada yada. Uh, ga- gas is going to release gas, and then Hora's like, well, about all that sensor equipment we have to to, lo- to locate gaseous anomalies. The baryon sweep. Oh yeah, okay. Like it's it's a very com- convenient plot device which and we I, haven't.
2: Learned until yeah, it's yeah. just
0: like oh yeah, remember we have this stuff on the ship
2: yeah. It's like wait, we do? Like yeah.
0: <laughs> really? And I wonder if at some point in the in an earlier version of the script, if that was something that happened on the Excelsior, because there we've planted the seed. Beginning of the ship, Sulu gives his captain's log. Yes, he we've says been we've been we've been logging
2: gaseous anomalies. You
0: know, planetary gaseous anomalies. So. The Excelsior would have that equipment on the ship, but they want, you know, doctor, you want to perform surgery with me on a, floor, a floor, torpedo. Yeah. They want the action. I wonder if at some point that generates from Sulu.
2: Dude, on that side of the ship. Uh, he should have had on that. On Excelsior yeah. firing the torpedo. Because it also, it, it really hikes the tension up. I love that they jump on, like, the conveyor belt. And oh, it's it's you know, great. I love yeah. it. It's
0: just it's a very convenient plot. That, like, it's just the throwaway line. It seems very almost
2: like too convenient we to, need something
0: yeah.
2: you know, on on set, just write it out yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go, you know oh, Or just say something about gagggle uh, enemies you know <laughs> uh and then yeah, you have Plummer so doing some of his best stuff flying around, and then i then just that sequence of when they lie, okay it's away and then you cut to and it you know people complain about uh, shatner's overacting but that pull in and he comes up and he's like fire like it's <laughs> oh, brilliant yeah. oh, you know it. what i mean and then it comes out it's very much like to me again like the nautical horatio hornblower like the sailing ships the three mass vessels having to yeah. come around and once you get like your starboard side you have your cannons exposed you could fire and you have to come around again you know and i love you know the they fire it and you have it come out and it comes around and everyone stops and, and it's great too brilliant uh, I don't know whose idea it was but you have Christopher Palmer stand up into frame yeah, yeah. you know and he everyone's watching and then like of course you see it coming he's like to be or not to be and he realizes and then I love how he turns right when it's gonna hit yeah. and then they the only unfortunate thing
0: is when he turns it's about to hit and then we see the, the, the it the, gets to the reverse and, and the it's he's looking turn, and he's not yeah
2: because it was a dummy but it, brilliant and then it blows up and they're like you know target that explosion and fire they blow the shit out of it. They beam down right at the last second because you have uh, the, the the assassins making
0: the Yeah, uh, you have
2: this big like almost uh, De yeah,
0: like, scene the Palma esque like situation where window. everybody's
2: everybody's looking up Everybody that's in on it uh, knows them. where the assassin will be, you know, <laughs> and he, and it's very maturing candidate. Where like you know, it's up in the thing, and he's putting the gun together, and yeah. he's he's a Klingon, and then he opens it, the and then they beam down, and it turns into like Eastwood's in the Line of Fire, where Kirk jumps right, you know, yeah. pushes him right out of the way the last and second. It's at Kirk
0: Enterprise, which I always thought was weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just funny. And I also thought <clears throat> on this time around, it it would have been much more impactful had it been Gorkon's daughter. Giving the speech at that moment. She, oh, you're right. She to, gives the to speech to them. She gives the speech. She's giving a speech earlier, but but Kirk saves the president of the Federation of Planets. Yeah. I was on this time around. I was like, you know what? It would have been so much more impactful if he saved her life.
2: Yeah, not his own president. You'd, you'd life. have to. You'd have to try to f- f- come reason why they're trying to assassinate her specifically. You know, because uh, I mean, the they, whole time they've trying to, to
0: they killed Chancellor.
2: Yeah, I but mean, they're they're trying to kill that. They're they they ha- they're trying to assassinate now the president to start this war that like yeah. it's the Klingons retaliating I think they're supposed yeah, to say yeah, but if, yeah. I'm sure you know you put your head together you could probably come up with a reason why they want to now kill the the the, the daughter the princess sure. or princess Leia it's been for dramatic purposes it, it would have been great because then Kirk saved her yeah then, like he would have fulfilled you've
0: restored my father
2: <laughs> yeah your, your honor you know it's, and it's you've beca- restored my son. Um, <laughs> Uh, so and then it wraps up nicely and you have this very good last scene where it's kind of sad They're, they all you know uh, Sewell's like I'm out see you later <laughs> <laughs> it flies away fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. it was a pleasure seeing you work again
2: yeah I, I've got some g- other gashless anomalies to go look at why there's also
0: there's a lot of talk in the novelization how like the excelsior is the fucking battle tank yeah of like it's the most it's the m- most recent the biggest the most powerful you know the why don't you send the excelsior there's no way in hell the klingons would fuck with the Excels- the excelsior like why send the enterprise to escort them yeah. you should go send the excelsior because that's like the top of the line, yeah. most feared ship. There's a lot of that talk, and so the idea of one McCoy's like that's a that's a big ship.
2: Oh, that's that's <laughs> that line when they're leaving. He's was <laughs> headed by a big captain." Says, <laughs>
0: "Not as big as their captain."
2: Yeah, I think. Okay. and it's you know and. and uh, they had to reuse a lot of this, the, the the models and stuff, which is hilarious that they're using stuff from like 79, the original start, you know, and they, or the bird of prey from four, they had to just redecorate to use as the bird of prey, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you have this big end scene where it's kind of sad. It's like, you know, it's it's the last, it is the last time the cast uh, is, is together to do stuff. It's it's uh, DeForest Kelly's last role on mm-hmm. screen because he retires after this. And they get decommissioned. Yeah.
0: In the book, you had a, you, had a, you made a note. At this scene is where Kirk
2: gets a, Oh, so I, Mike, note, I asked you to be in the podcast, and we have to find out about his, it, his wife or his ex wife. Yeah. So at in this, the book.
0: At this point, he gets like a relay because they're so far away from it, it's got to be relayed to a bunch of different stations. <laughs> it's like a toll call. He gets word
2: that she's going to be okay. Oh. It's like, what's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Doc's like? It. We just got word. Duke's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I. show the movie. Yeah, yeah. There's also, there's
0: also like, this is part of the epilogue of the movie, of, of the book. There is a scene between the Chancellor, uh, between Gorkon's daughter and her Klingon people, that is almost not needed, but it just gives like their perspective of what happened. And she's realized she was betrayed. She didn't trust the people she should have trusted. So there's another scene here with them, and then it ends with this scene that we're talking about. Uh, We got just got word from the from you know from the Starfleet. We uh, were ordered to just report directly back to to bay and we f- for decommission
2: yeah and it becomes real sad and they're like what should we do right and then like kirk says this peter pan line which is the same year's hook comes out so you get two in one year you get the same line in two different movies Where he says that like "What a second star to the right and go till morning yeah and it's all it's kind of sad and it's like and then it's like oh it's nice it's a little
0: bit reminiscent I, you know the end of
2: two it's yes. probably my favorite ending Not just the death of Spock But Oh when You have Leonard Nimoy read the
0: Well there's You have to That But before that You have Kirk And he's like He like goes up on like the Yeah The and thing little, And he's like mm-hmm. And he's, he recites a line from Cause he's looking at the of Two Cities Yeah Which is the book that Spock gives him At the beginning of the movie As a present Um And the best what, of times uh, was the worst of and, times and, and Uh McCoy says something like How do you feel And he's like I feel young Yeah <laughs> I love it I just, got a little, I just got goosebumps thinking about it I love, I, just, I love that So this is kind of It's a little bit like that Like we're at the end Yeah Looking back out This is the last hurrah You know Two is where we start to feel They start to feel It's all about age Yeah He needs reading glasses And he goes like McCoy can't just You know Give him some kind of And that becomes a plot For like four <laughs> Remember
2: they're looking For their glasses and stuff And uh, So then we get
0: this romantic moment yeah. of with the crew, our last moment with the crew. It's unfortunate that Sulu's not on the bridge, but we get to say goodbye to Sulu. Yeah. He's the one that came and kind of helped save the day. It was that relationship. You know, he he's Zulu commits treachery or whatever. You know, to save and
2: subordination, yeah. Yeah.
0: To to come and uh there's a there's a bit of that too where he's when he goes to Rand says so the signal the Enterprise, tell them that we're standing by. Yeah, there's like everybody's like, because okay. they know that, you know, this is that he's disobeying orders. Yeah, but know, they like don't treason.
2: know that like they're like it's, tre-
0: tre- it's he's committing treason. But it's his relationship with the, the crew of the yeah, Enterprise. We're old friends.
2: Um, I, I saw a screening of Rathacon right after Nimoy passed away in a, at Alamo Drafthouse. It was probably because Nimoy Nemo, Nemo passed away. And I'll tell you, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Yeah, that. Yeah. And everybody was dressed up black, white. People were dressed up in outfits. It was like a proper, yeah. it was, and it was between these two huge guys, my wife and I, that were dressed up like one was a biker, one was an African-American dressed up in, you know, like their Admiral Star Trek uniforms. Everybody was crying at the end, yeah, and then yeah. not only past that, would you have like then when letter Nimoy's voiceover yeah. comes on? Oh God, he, he does
0: the yeah, he, he repeats the opening yeah, of the show. and then
2: at the end of here, you have the the voiceover, and and then it's the first time. What does he say? He says, uh, "We're no man he or no one, no man, no or, man or no one, no one." And yeah. it, trying to be like almost inclusive for everybody now, which is a hint of what's everything happening today. So the movie ends up coming out, like you said, end of December. Uh, Which is interesting because, 1991,
0: 1991, it comes out early December, December sixth. The end of the Soviet Union happens twenty days later, yeah, on the twenty on the twenty sixth. So this was even this movie came out was being made came out before the fall of the Soviet
1: yeah. Union. Yeah,
2: and then there was they they the Myers so less than
0: a month later the Soviet Union is dissolved
2: yeah and and Nicholas Myers talks about when they're in the editing room there was like Mikhail Gorbachev was like he went not went missing but there was radio silence for a little while so people were like was he assassinated because uh, Gorkhan was another facsimile for Gorbachev so the movie ends up coming out and at the same time they start doing promotions for it where uh they're 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 screening all five movies prior to it. You can go see this marathon screening of the movies. Then you could see this movie. Nimoy wanted a million dollars to cameo on Next Generation, but he said he. Maybe he got the money too, but he'd appear in the uh, two-parter unification in November 91 to help promote this movie. They did a Chinese theater kind of a ceremony where they had the original casters put their hands in cement, sign things. So the movie comes out, and it does freaking awesome. It wins the box office that weekend. It ends up uh, generating, at the end of the day, they make uh, close to, Jesus, $100 million worldwide. And I think it's the most successful, to that point, uh, Star Trek movie Uh, of the, of, of, uh, you know, of, of money wise popularity. It gets two Oscar nominations, which it doesn't win. I think one's sound and maybe one's maybe effects, but it does win. It's the only Saturn award Star Trek movies have ever won was because of this. And, uh, it ends up being pretty well, I mean, you know, there's people who like it and don't like it, but for the most part, I think it's, uh, it's pretty well received with fans and Trekkies as well, you know, in the, in the, and. It's a one that the, I don't think gets talked about ever. Well, that's this is what I was going to say to you. Is <laughs> even that, today you're, you're the think only nowadays? person I've
0: ever, ever talked about this movie. but well,
2: yeah. Do you think nowadays it's kind of looked at as a little better? I mean, that, I hope so because you and I have been talking about this. I remember, you know, when we first met, you used to moonlight between the two. You'd say either two or six are your favorites. Yeah, yeah. And I used to say I like 2, but like sixes was my shit, probably because when I saw it, I was the right age. Probably if I was the age when I had saw Rathacon, it probably would have been the same thing for me. But I think it's so good. So I wonder if it gets the kind of do, you know, people always say 2-4 or 2-3-4. I four. Know. I
0: mean, I, obviously I don't talk to a lot of people about the Star Trek movies, but it seems <laughs> like, yeah. you know, when the Star Trek movies are brought up, it's always Rathacon, Rathacon, Rathacon. Yeah. <clears throat> or, along with the whales. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Whatever one that was.
0: Uh, some kind of complaint about Star Trek, the motion picture. Yes. Talking about how long it takes the fucking Enterprise to get out of space. Yeah, back. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, You've is, been talking to the same people I have. Exactly. the only three conversations yeah. you ever have about uh, Star Trek movies. For me, this is uh, my favorite if or my
2: second favorite, depending on the day. Yeah. Still to this day. Yeah. Um, and we, I think we've already tra- kind of uh, made the point of how solid it is. Yeah, I mean there are. We had minor complaints about there's you know mi-
0: there's little minor things. I think there's probably a couple other little script things other than the ho- horror line about the 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 equipment to log spatial anomalies or whatever. There's probably a couple other of those I could have brought up that I, I that are, I, are escaping me at the moment. Yeah, but for the most part. Still tight Totally entertaining Great Star Trek watchable. movie Great installment um, Still a good b- last Star Trek movie for them Good Yeah it was a good finale they, For
2: them they, I mean they of course, Didn't want to stop on five You get the Generations Which comes out
0: next Which yeah. isn't quite as strong I know, you I'm really not like as Get th- a couple of cameos And then of course Kirk
2: I'm not a big fan Of the Next Generation movies I mean I like First Contact I, I, That's than, the one I'd like too. First Other contact.
0: than that I I'm not a huge fan Yeah I watched Insurrection Somewhat recently And thought it was better Than I remembered it being I Saw that in the theater too
2: But Still didn't love it, and then I, I mean,
0: I was never as big. I liked Next Generation, I thought the finale of Next Generation was as good, yeah, as any television I had ever seen at that point. The big, like Picard going through time, cute, yeah. blah blah blah. I always thought that was really clever, yeah, and super interesting. Uh, so I liked Next Generation, but never liked any Star Trek as much as I am as fond of. The original crew of the Enterprise. TOS, yeah,
2: yeah, and I, I love now that they're replaying it. I love also they re-released the original series. Uh, I guess going on like ten years ago now, where they, they redid the special effects. Yeah, and you can get them uh, either way. And I love that the special effects are good. It's not hindering the. It's almost like improving watching yeah. it. And then I like now that like a, a, sh- a channel like MeTV plays it on a Saturday night with the new effects, mm-hmm. and it's it's great. It's remastered. It's yeah. You know, it's,
0: I still have. That. I, I want to get the DVDs. I mean the Blu-rays because I have the original DVDs. Yeah, where it's like that awesome not packaging. remastered. It's all faded. It's scri- The prints are all scratched. Yeah, that's up. what I have. Um, I have those, but you can get the Blu-rays where they you can just like hit the angle or whatever. The toggle remote, You, remote, you, you can, go through. You each, go that's through awesome. Each, which I would yeah. totally.
2: Uh, all the time <laughs> <laughs> Just every one every one another reason of watching them so yeah I mean uh, yeah, we're a big f- we're, 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 we're fond of the uh, the Star Trek movies yeah it's Trek. about
0: time we got to a Star Trek yeah. you
2: know there's so much
0: more to talk about in the Star Trek universe we could have went way more into the history of blah 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 but I'm we're sure already we'll, over three hours and I'm sure we'll do <laughs> Khan at some point yeah but uh, love that we did this one first. Yeah,
2: this is exciting. Uh, so very, as we wrap it up here, you can always find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram now. You can find us on Twitter. We have our own site, Saturday Night Movie Sleepover. Of course, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. Yep. Uh, we have a big announcement we're going to be making. Com-
0: in the coming weeks.
2: Yeah, uh, probably we'll be making a big announcement. Yep, yep. Um, uh, hopefully, for the show wise, yeah, yeah. We'll do that's show. Dion has
0: another announcement that'll come. Yeah, s- I'm some pregnant. Point. Yeah,
2: yeah. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I have another announcement that I, I'll be doing myself. But there's,
0: there's we got some exciting things happening show wise for us anyway.
2: Yeah, hopefully uh, you too. Yeah, will we'll, be excited about it. So and uh, Blake, you have your own stuff going scored on. Score
0: to death the book. Score to death conversations with some of horror's greatest composers. Score to death the podcast. Yes. Just uh, had John Harrison on talking about Creepshow, Day of the Dead. Nice. It was a lot of fun and awesome to talk to him. And, of course, uh, social media. uh, You got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Scored to
2: Death. Yeah. And we forgot to talk about the composer of this movie, how good it was, but... There's a lot of things. We, we so, Only so much time. you know. Maybe we we'll, we'll, we'll come back for a director's <laughs> is
0: We had to unpack a lot yeah. more than I thought we were going to have to unpack for this. Yeah, this was
2: a big one. That's why I was like, we should have an extra. <laughs> have your mom come over early, bring you over early. you know, Because we're going to have a lot to talk about because of our fondness of this property. And every once in a while, we do these big...
0: And for the most part, you know, we stayed on point this
2: week. Yeah, yeah, we didn't grow up too still. much. And still... Yeah. Talk for three yeah, I know. <laughs> Jesus. So uh, we'll see you in two weeks. We hope you like what we've been doing. We're in the hot dog days of summer now. Hotter than uh, the urine of a Tiberian bat. <laughs> and that's my second Tiberian bat reference. And uh, I think I forget what we have coming up in two weeks, but it's probably going to be exciting. Probably. Yeah. So uh, we hopefully. hope you. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> for, for our sakes. So we hope you like what you've been hearing. And we'll see you in two weeks at the same Star Trek time, same Star Trek channel.
0: Later.